Hey, what's up, guys and gals? Thanks for tuning in to Gravity Lab Radio. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Option Studios. Option Studios is our graphic design company of choice. Option Studios is actually known for a lot of great things in the sport. They brought you Monty. Monty is our mascot. Monty is part of our logo. Uh, Option Studios actually designed and came up from the ground up with Monty and the Gravity Lab Radio logo. They do a phenomenal job of graphic design. They do a phenomenal job of creation. Adam Buckner is the principal designer there. He does a killer job, very artistic, uh, especially and particularly if you like geometrical kind of things, things with a lot of geometry and a lot of lines. He crushes that. If you don't like that line, if you don't like that limit, Adam is a little diverse and he can do other things. But more importantly, Option Studios is diverse. Option Studios, they have options. Elsa's another one of their designers, and she's got a little bit more flowy, creative, soft, curvy side. Very beautiful artwork, and she does, does a wonderful job. So Option Studios, it doesn't matter what you're looking for. Options is what they have. It's in their name. It's part of what they do. Of course, you've heard about it time and time again, the Pro Jersey by Option Studios. By far the most comfortable jersey I've worn for skydiving. Something I don't know if we've talked about much is the shoulder articulation. He actually had these jerseys designed and cut and gone version after version. I think we've seen like four or five versions before he settled on what is currently the final version. I heard a rumor there's a 3.0 coming out, but like 2.5, 2.6 just is what we're at right now. And the shoulders, back to the point, are articulated. When I say articulated, when I raise my hands on my short, my shirts, my belly button shows, man. Everybody's got to see that little hairy belly button full of lint. Man, we skydive. We raise our hands a lot to grab our toggles. We Our hands might be up when we're doing different things in skydives. We're reaching for things. We're reaching outside the airplane. These articulated shoulders really allow the shirt to stay down. They stay tucked in. They don't move. If you're not tucking them in, they stay below your leg straps. Uh, uh, the pro jerseys have that articulation. They're designed for skydivers by skydivers. The length of the jersey is going to be a little bit longer than what you would normally wear. But in skydiving, we want those leg straps to keep jerseys in. We want those longer jerseys to stay tucked in. So it's designed with length and uh, with length for skydivers in mind to make sure you have that length and that comfort and fit you need. Check them out at optionstudios.com pullupcords.com. If you happen to be going to PIA Symposium in uh, Dallas in the next week or two, and, and if you uh, hear this, you're too late. Sorry about that. February 4th, 5th, 6th, you can find Option Studios in their booth at PIA. Hit up uh, Adam. He'll help you out. He'll take care of you. Camille runs the office, the desk, the admin stuff. She is the brains behind the business. Adam's the art behind there. You'll get to meet the wonderful Elsa, probably the prettiest thing about Option Studios. She's a wonderful young lady, and together they're just such a dynamic team. Also love to thank the Rating Center. The Rating Center, we run courses. I'm a huge part of that. It's my company. I founded it, and we believe in, in training. Our goal is your happiness. Our goal is your dreams. You dream of becoming a skydiver. We can help you do that. You dream of becoming an instructor. We make dreams come true, man. And, and that, that is really what we get to do. We get to congratulate people. We get to help people. And we get to thank people along the way. Our lives have grown tremendously. We've met our family. We've met our friends through the Rating Center. So everybody who is part of it really has a passion for the community and the sport. Um, one of our key guys and one of our main players, I think, embodies the Rating Center. And, and I can't say much enough about this. And it's Henry or Hank Pruitt. Hank is one of the most caring and most compassionate individuals you'll ever meet. And, and absolutely embodies what we believe in and what we do with care and compassion for skydivers. 
If you're looking to become an AFF instructor, a tandem instructor, a coach. If you're looking for canopy coaching, canopy courses, check us out. We have campuses in San Marcos, Texas, Dallas, Texas, and Houston, Texas. Uh, we are expanding in the future as well. We're working on it. Please be patient with us as we do our expansion. Uh, as you might know, the sport is small, and it takes time to make things grow the way we want. But we're out there to help you guys out. Safety Day this March, you need to check it out. You need to be at Safety Day on your drop zone. But if you can't make it, the Rating Center every year we're hosting a Safety Day from our Facebook page. Check out the Rating Center fan page, and we'll broadcast uh, Facebook or we'll broadcast our Safety Day on Facebook Live. So there's no way you'll miss it. Best bet: go to your local drop zone and attend yourself. But if you can't, man, check out the Rating Center. We got you covered. We're going to help you out. Check us out at theratingcenter.com. You can find our calendar online. You can contact us online. You got any questions? You think about taking a rating? You're looking for taking a rating? You don't even know what it is and you want to know more information? The info at theratingcenter.com. We look forward to helping you. Tonight, our guest is a really special guy, a guy named Thomas Hughes. I've known Thomas for about 10 years now. A super great skydiving competitor. One of the greats, no doubt about it. Thomas is now the manager of a drop zone, Skydive Spaceland San Marcos, and we're going to really uh, kind of go all over the place with this podcast. Uh, we're super good at losing track of ourselves. Um, if you've never paid attention, we hang out in a room, we turn on microphones, and we drink sometimes. And so, uh, sorry we get lost, sorry I get distracted, but it's just what's happening with our brain loss moments. We'll talk about comp competition, we'll talk about management, we'll talk about instruction, and we'll get lost and forget where we're at 20 times over. I laughed really hard. It was one of my more enjoyable guests by far. Uh, hang out. Check out Thomas Hughes. If you think he's fun on the show, go to Spaceland San Marcos and meet him in person. He's way cooler there, man. Enjoy the show. I'm the target of a meat miss with 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen, do you hear it? Oh, wait, he, he, are you there? Still didn't hear it. I wasn't listening. Man, did you hear it, Thomas? <clears throat> what, what am I listening for? So, I, uh, Braden Duffin, or Braden Smith, Braden, different person. Braden Smith is did the intro for Gravity Lab Radio. That's him doing the voiceover of Nick and I. And we recently have got it redone. We're, we're about to bring it live. But listening to the reboot, I heard one small thing. When Nick says, have we talked about skydiving this whole time? At the very beginning of it, you can hear a very soft voice in the background. And I actually had to ask Braden, like, hey, dude. First of all, it sounds like me saying I'm retarded. <laughs> so <laughs> cue it back up and hear it again. And I'm positive it's I'm retarded. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Do you ever have that where when you listen to a song's <laughs> lyrics like too many times and you convince yourself that they're saying something that's just like totally different words? Oh, yeah. And you start singing it and it's the wrong lyrics altogether. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this is what's happened, that you've heard this enough times that you're hearing a tiny bit of words that aren't those words. And now all you hear is I'm retarded. Oh, for sure. Because I've like, you know, I listen so to you, this. You, thing, want oh, you want me to cue this up again? That's what you're asking me. Just go to that 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 moment. Talked about skydiving the whole time, right? Have we talked I'm about retarded. <laughs> <laughs> have we talked about skydiving the whole time? It sounded a lot like Thomas that time. Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving? No, dude, I think you're making that shit up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. 
No, I don't. I don't hear that at all. But I'm really happy that you hear it so clearly that you are sure I was gonna catch it. Like before, before we started the show, DJ's like, "Okay, listen to this." See what you hear. And I heard nothing. <laughs> just like I heard those four times, I still heard, so heard nothing. I wasn't sure you were hear it, would hear it. That's why I didn't tell you what it was. Because I'm like, is this my imagination? I, I'm pretty sure, yes. I'm <laughs> okay. pretty sure it is. Because I'm positive. I've listened. Braden sent me this intro. I've listened to it a few times. Uh, I wasn't, and he wasn't happy with the first version either that he just sent me. And, um, and then uh, he sent me the second version. I listened to it over and over, just like, man, what's wrong with what he just did? And after it, I'm retarded. Like, what's going on, man? <laughs> so Subliminal make, messages. It, it was me just going crazy listening to Braden over and over say that shit. So, uh, Mr. Thomas Hughes, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Guys and gals, thanks uh, for tuning in. Thomas Hughes is joining us tonight. Uh, damn, man. Uh, we're going to get off track tonight. I'm positive. Tom- I guarantee it. Thomas is the uh, manager at Skydive Spaceland San Marcos. Uh, you have been a skydiving competitor for most of your career. Yep. You have placed uh, in nationals in almost every discipline. Uh, you have won a crap load of medals, gold and or national and world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to say it so you don't sound like you're bragging, but you're going to tell <laughs> us more about <laughs> it later. Um, dude, you are a renaissance man. You're one of the guys who's done it all. So uh, super stoked to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys reaching out and getting me out here. So... When did you start jumping? So I started in 1998, just after my 18th birthday. I went through a couple tandems in Lake Wales. Um, Jay Malitsky was my second tandem instructor. No shit. Yeah, and then I went through <laughs> AFF and working at the tunnel at the same time. I went through AFF with a, uh, Steve Hamilton, who I later went to uh, the 2003 World Meet with, which was kind of neat. Dude, you're you're you named a couple heroes. You came named mm-hmm. a couple epic guys, and they were your instructors. Yeah, back then, where they 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 were just instructors back then. Did they, they built yep. a so Correct. they really were? I want to say nobodies, but they haven't accomplished what they got known for. Right. I mean, now obviously both of them are extremely accomplished, but you know, back then we were <laughs> all just kind of figuring out paths to go. One of my favorite parts of what I'm doing right now in life is w- you you and I are part of that is we're going to explore, we're going to do some different and new things. Spaceland is a big part of that for us. And getting to watch some of these dumb friends of ours. Man, I love my friends, and I'm as dumb as, as, the, as they come, but making some of the mistakes and saying some of the stupid things and us to remember when we were them. Mm-hmm. And now you're... Wait, we're still them. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For sure. But we just have official titles somewhere. Yes. Somebody, somebody somewhere trusted us enough to, or was foolish enough to let us do things. Yep. In my case, it's my wife. She she lets me do me. So you've compete. Yeah, you started in '98, February, if I actually remember, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I uh, just realized, like, I asked him that, but I, I had to read that the other day. <laughs> what got you into the sport? What drew you to skydiving? So I was water skiing for a long time in my life, and um, I kind of at that point I've been water skiing a long time, and my my dad water skied for a long time. Uh, he was still on the British national team up until last year, I think. And uh, I was kind of ready for something new, something to call my own. So instead of following the path of, of uh, water skiing, I went out and did one tandem. And I was like, oh, man, that's fun. That was really fun. But let me see if that's really, really fun, and I want to do it again. So I went out and did another one, and I was like, yeah, you know what? That's really fun. And then at that point, I got a job in the tunnel. And my first job at the tunnel was handing out um, $10 off coupons 
out by Wet n Wild. I would just stand out there all day long handing out coupons to people and hoping that they'd go fly in the tunnel. And then for payment, I was getting, I don't remember what it was, really low amount of money, but I was getting pretty much unlimited tunnel time. So I could go in there and just fly, which was fantastic. And I did that for a while and then finally got a couple months and finally got a job as an instructor. And back then, the instructor training program is a whole lot different than what it is now. I mean, now they actually have like a, a program. Back yeah. then, it was like, okay, we're going to throw you in the tunnel. And if you survive after an hour, we'll give you a job. And that's kind of how I got the job as the instructor. I mean, we were just beating each other up for an hour, and then we'd get out, and we're like, "All right, that's pretty good. Yeah, let's 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 do it." <laughs> I had no clue. I actually didn't realize you had the instructor. Yeah, background. that was years ago. That was like nineteen. It was nineteen ninety eight when I got the job, and then nineteen ninety nine, I was still instructor. I think I was there for three years. And what what tunnel did you say it was? Orlando. It was the only tunnel. Oh back wow, then. man. <laughs> It was the only skydiving simulator. I mean, of course, they had the tunnels in Pigeon Forge and Vegas, but that was a wind tunnel. This was an actual skydiving simulator, you know, meaning that we didn't have to wear vented suits. We just had to wear three really big ones with our <laughs> hands, <laughs> our suits over our hands, you know. How, uh, when that thing's turned all the way up, how, how, how fast? What do you compare Well, that it to? depends. So back then, it was probably like 105 in the summer and maybe... On a really cold, cold night in the winter when the air is a little denser, you could probably get 115 out of it. Right. So we'd really try to wait till the winter, put on a bunch of suits, a bunch of clothes, and just get real thick arms and legs. And I mean, our body positions are exactly what you wouldn't want to do for um, free flying, especially in the sky, you know? So did you went through the formal instructor training then? Formal instructor training? I mean, was training? it still called FITP? No, was it no, anything that was like way what these after. kids are doing now? No, it was literally get in there, get beat up for an hour, and get a job. Cool. Yeah. Were you walking on the net? Were you flying? Yeah, walking on the net, flying, um, taking people as or as other instructors as students. And again, there was no formal outline of what you should do. So you just go try this. Hope for the best and try not to break anything. Go try this. If you don't kill anybody, you're hired. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. Luckily now, I mean, they've got all those new programs and the FITP system that works good. It's a little bit more structured than what it was 20 years ago. Yeah, and it makes. Uh the more of those FITP courses I see, the it becomes less and less about flying, more about being able to walk and move comfortably in, comfortably yeah. in the wind upright, and being able to catch these new crazy because st- they think that they've got every every possible way figured out that someone can mess <laughs> it up, right? That someone can yeah. throw them a spot, and then someone does something crazy that no one's ever heard of before. It's kind of like <laughs> AFF and tandem too, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, you never know. No. Never know what you're no. going to get, man. When you think you've seen it all, you watch a candidate walk to the plane on a coach course without her evaluator. (laughs) (laughs) Poor gal got on the plane without her student and thought it was part of the test. (laughs) Sweetheart of a gal. (laughs) (laughs) Forget the student. we got to make the call. We're going to be judged on this. (laughs) So I'll I'll tell you, Rory Corrigan was the evaluator, and she had a misunderstanding with the timing. Everybody else but her misunderstood what was going on, and it happens, man. You're nervous in a course. And uh, she goes to the plane 20 minutes early, so she's one load early, waiting for Rory, thinking, I'm supposed to be at the plane at the five-minute call. It's a five-minute call. I'm here. <laughs> and uh, it's time to board. He's fucking with me. He will be here. And I asked her, when did you realize that it wasn't a test? When we took off. <laughs> so wait, she actually went all the way up without her... Without well, we took off. So well, that's great. Did, yeah. So when she landed, she uh, she spent some quality personal time alone in the bathroom because she was she felt like shit. Um, I'll tease her to this day face to face. Super nice girl. She she now gets it. But oh my god, 
I think she's told, uh, we have a lot of Texas listeners, and there's some Texas listeners right now who I'm positive are naming her because she's told her students she does jump in the Texas area. She shared it with her, her local folks. Nice. They know. Man, you uh, spent a year in the tunnel. Like three years, three if I remember years. right. Something like that, yeah. And it, it, while you were doing that, at some point you started competing in skydiving. Yeah, so um, myself and a couple guys that worked at the tunnel, we started uh, our first four-way team. Actually, I think uh, Eliana was on that team, and she had already done one four-way team before that. So it was my first four-way team and her and everybody else's first four-way team except for hers. Uh, we were Deland Tunnel Rage. Uh, we did like maybe 80 jumps or 100 jumps, uh, I think around 80-ish. And then we did a bunch of tunnel time. We went to nationals and killed it. And one of the funnest jumps I remember from that nationals was uh, we've, we had uh, seven and nine. And, you know, you know your formations, right? So you know what seven and nine is. No, I don't. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Throw me in her well, what's 21? <laughs> the zigzag marquee. Yeah, so you should know seven and nine. So anyway, seven and nine, it's basically like two two-ways that are not connected in the middle. And those two two-ways will basically do their own formations throughout that whole meet without ever coming together. Okay. So our video guy is having to get like 30, 40, 50, 60 feet up away from us just so he can keep us all in frame because those two ways are just zigzagging all over the sky <laughs> without any structure between them. <laughs> hey, I'm going to die over here, man. So how, how do you, are you familiar with the VFS dive pool? You know what? I was back in like 2009. I was doing some. Uh, as of now, I'm going to say no. I, I don't know any of the the FS dive pool. Yeah. Are there any, is there much overlap in the, in the blocks and the randoms as no. far as the way things are labeled? I don't think so. Not not as, way, not as far as things are labeled. In the same way with four-way and eight-way, there's uh, minimal overlap, if any. I don't think there's any, actually. Is that I when you said seven and nine? Is that what I heard? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can imagine what those are in VFS. No problem. What are they in VFS? Uh, VFS seven is a uh, flower, so it's a uh, flower three sixty flower, round, flower yep, and then I nine is called one. shorty, where you have one upright flyer, three head down uh-huh. flyers. Uh, there's one. Uh, is that where the guy goes around and splits? Yeah, both back people in the are kind of carving opposite directions, yeah. and there's a one dock that stays. Okay. Yeah. So both super fun. But uh, I wondered if the belly stuff looked anything like it. No, no, and I, I, I kind of wish there was overlap amongst all three of those because I think if there was, you'd probably attract a little bit more people and make the dive pool a little bit easier to learn. I don't know how the mechanics of that would work, though. I mean, that would probably be difficult to get head down formations and head up formations that also jive with belly formations. Yeah. Well, that answers my question. I was just trying to buy time while DJ was dying. I was dying, <laughs> dude. So, <laughs> you're, you wait a minute. You're saying you're thinking like a third. A hybrid discipline that involves belly and free flying. I it thought about that a few years ago, <laughs> actually doing like a, a three-part competition where you do um, three rounds of VFS, three rounds of four-way, and then three rounds of canopy piloting. And that would be a really fun meet, right? I remember yeah. thinking about this probably 10 years <laughs> ago, but I feel like the caliber of skydiver wasn't there. And I think especially with tunnels and um, more knowledge in the sport and more... more um, Coaches and, and coaching opportunities. I think that's a very real possibility in the future. I'd love to see that happen. That'd so be a blast. I think that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. I can imagine how the FS and VFS would look. What what do the canopy rounds look like? So you could do like one of speed, one of distance, and one of accuracy. Right? Oh, okay. All right. I was thinking like uh, crew sort of. Oh, Just no. because I had a four-way belly team and a four-way VFS team in my brain. Yeah. But yeah, that makes sense. I think it'd be a fun, a fun, fun competition for sure. I wonder if having... So you're saying canopy, you mean swooping version? or uh-huh, yeah. Because I wonder how much that would limit people again because there are some pilots, some jumpers who just don't like to fly that way. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about <coughs> free flying, right? There's a lot of people that don't like to free fly or are not necessarily good at it, and the same thing with belly. 
think accuracy would for sure be a no-brainer. That would have to be there. Either way, you can justify that. Yeah, but then I guess you can say the same thing. How many accuracy guys you know actually fly uh, four-way or VFS? Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is the big challenge, right? Is finding yeah. the most well-rounded so skydivers that can compete in. in so you know what? Let's do that as well. Let's add accuracy and make it 12 rounds. There you go. Yeah, that'd be fun. Man, have you ever shot accuracy? No, y no, I haven't. Have I you mean, ever every jump, but no, not <laughs> officially. Have you used a uh, bigger seven-cell canopy and shot accuracy without not not non-accuracy mm -hmm. canopy? No. Go ahead and get like a big something saber and not super huge man i with a 120 it's amazing the range i can put in a, in a saber or it's not saber but a specter 120 and sinking it in and dealing with it man it's it is fun i really enjoy that i'd love to get on a i think zero is pd's big yeah. action camera yeah. i'd love to get on that for a little while and just play for a weekend be fun for sure dude it's it's watching those guys and gals and how they manipulate that wing it flies a little bit different you've got to apply different laws and different rules but it's watching them bring that thing down I don't think I'm going to hurt myself too bad. Yeah, as long as you land on the tuppet. Dude, those things, it's uh you don't want to miss. No. Have you seen a zero land? I haven't, no. Oh, dude, they land soft. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Colin, you know Colin uh -huh. Rhodes? Yep. Colin has one, and I've seen him put four or five jumps on him, and all his landings have been soft stand-up, dude. Nice. Yeah. He's four or five feet uh, on his fourth jump he put on it from the target, so... Looks like he's pretty accurate. With I feel it. like when the when the accuracy guys are <laughs> that good, like at a nationals or a world meet, I've seen a bunch of them at world meets and things, and you could literally just suspend them from six feet up above <laughs> the dime or above the quarter, whatever it is, and just drop them on a piece of bungee cord. I mean, that's kind of the accuracy that they're getting. It's all in that last five feet, right? Mm -hmm. of like foot placement. I mean, they're that good. Yeah, and I think part of it they're going. I think it's a three centimeter disc is accuracy. I think it's less than that, isn't it? I can you find I, out? I'll, yeah, I'm, let me look it up. Yeah, pretty sure it's a three centimeter, but it, it's. Even three centimeters is really super tight. Yeah. It's uh, kind of like uh, uh, accuracy, sport accuracy, uh, zone ac. Mm -hmm. People are stalling their canopies out when they get to that zone, and they're just trying to pound in yeah. or survive pounding in. And I think that's why they have the tuffet. They are surviving that. I guess that's why they're landing harder. Yeah. I mean, accuracy, it's so mm -hmm. accurate these days that they have to take their heel and make it a point. Yeah. You know, if with a rounded heel, you're not going to be accurate enough because that covers, what, a couple inches. Have you seen the shoe of an accuracy jumper, Nick? Uh, the reinforced heel. So yeah, yeah, man, it's the mm -hmm. pointy thing. Like they're really trying to hit that little itty bitty disc. And yeah. I'm pretty, if I remember right, and great with my memory, I'm positive there's been multiple uh, uh, nationals where people have. There's been a tie for for zeros. Yeah, I remember a couple of those, both at the uh, nationals, and I think the last Dubai world, or the last meet I was at in Dubai, the world meet there, they also had a tie, if I remember right. Yeah, and it's amazing for one person to get all zeros on three centimeter or smaller disc. Two, three people do it? Yeah, it's wild. Those guys are fucking badass. Yeah. <clears throat> so do you, you, you've pictured that before, this, this competition, nine mm -hmm. or 12 rounds. I think just in your history, just in your background, you can put a meet like that together. But now you have some resources in front of you. Yeah, for <coughs> sure. And, and uh, that's definitely, I haven't even thought about this for <coughs> years. And um, it's kind of interesting just starting to think about some of the logistics of making that happen. That would be fun. I just made, I just pissed off your wife. <laughs> You're <laughs> yes. come home with like, honey, you got to do all this now. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's uh, the talent's out there now. I think so too. You know, I think, uh, I, I hate to say it, but I really think your high level VFS teams are going to take it. I don't know, man. There's, uh, you know, like people like Craig Gerard, he can do VFS. <laughs> Kick ass on his belly, and he—I mean—he won a bunch of swoop meets back in the day, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I there's a few people, but I think there's a lot more VFS guys who also swoop 
pretty highly. So then canopy. here's another option is airspeed right now. All of airspeed does VFS That's, in the tunnel. Yeah. All of them. So airspeed. they do they do VFS in the tunnel, they do um FS in the sky, obviously. And uh, probably they do VFS in the sky. And then they also every jump, they're I mean they're on Valkyries, small Valkyries. So the team swoops at that. Yeah. Dude, there's dead, dead center disc is two centimeters. There you go. Mm. You're right. That's smaller. Small. That's, That's small. big. That's giant. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's lost right now. <laughs> I'm just lost in the rules. Lost in the rules. Thank you, Nick. Um, I miss having you over here. Uh, do you want me to come sit over there? No, you're doing a great job <laughs> over there. <laughs> Wherever you're comfortable. It'll look almost the same. Uh, it, it really will. Just no fades to just Thomas. <laughs> there went my brain power. <clears throat> It's uh, it is the world's evolved a, l- a lot, man. It has, it has for sure. <clears throat> so I know I've seen things of airspeed doing that. Is rhythm? I think so. I I think <clears throat> I remember seeing those guys in the tunnel free flying, and um, to my my best memory, they're they're doing really well as well. Core, core for sure. Arsenal, Arsenal for sure. Axis with go compete. Yes. You got five teams right there. Yep. And I'm sure there's others out there that, I mean, that was just an easy five. When are you going to make this happen? Uh, next weekend. Next weekend. <laughs> cool, guys. There's your call out. Book there's your the throwdown. We'll have it all organized. <laughs> we got uh, 20 bucks for prizes. <laughs> 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 Shit, I'll put 20 on that, man. I'll match you. 40 bucks. 40 bucks. 40 bucks. We're on. Winner takes $40. <laughs> and uh, he'll buy you a nice bottle of scotch. There so, you go. Salute. Man, I. Um, I've I've told a lot of our jumpers a lot recently that they talk about how how much better flyers are today, and I don't disagree. But what I'll tell them is people have been flying that well uh, for years. It's now there's just so many because you want to do this competition ten years ago, and could you put that team together? No, I mean it's unheard of ten years ago for sure. But uh, now I mean all that information is getting out, and the skydivers are better quicker than they were even ten years ago. <laughs> so I want to go back through your competition history then i really what i want to kind of know through it is the evolution and change you've seen in flying in the sport so your first team was a tunnel team yeah what did you go to from there with teams um from there let me think i i've done mostly uh belly teams mostly four-way teams Mm -hmm. up until probably 2008 or 2009 when i started doing some bfs but i want to let's go back and a little bit of history of the tunnel of the belly teams okay Yeah, yeah you don't mind. So I did the tunnel team in 2002 and 2003. I'm sorry, no, that was 2000. And then um, two thou- in 2002 and 2003, I was part of the British national team because I'm English originally. Um, and then from there, I had to take a year off. I had to skip a world meet. So I did a player coach team based out of Arizona. 2005, I was also taking a year off. Uh, just based on the rules, you can't switch nationalities. So I was waiting to become back an American um, competitor. And then 2007 is where I joined Fast Tracks. Um, we competed for the year and competed at Nationals and uh, finally got beat by Airspeed at Nationals. Um, 2008 was 8-way. Uh, um, there was a couple of us jumping with the Golden Knights. Uh, we went to the World Meet for that in 2008, and we, I think we got second at that one. 2009, I did some VFS stuff. Uh, I think that was all I did in 2009 and maybe even 2010. Who did you do VFS with? I did it with, uh, the first time was with Hybrid XP. Um, that was Mickey Nuttall, uh, Scott Plammer, Derek Cox, and Will Pesek. 
Uh, I did outside video for that one. And then the next year, when the Nationals were at Spaceland, there was only two teams in VFS at that point. So we got together a team just to keep the event going because it, it had low, kind of low attendance to getting started. And that was the second year in a row that there was uh, less than three teams, at which point they'll start uh, deleting the event. So we wanted to try to keep the event going. We didn't even compete the entire Nationals. We just did a couple rounds um, while we had time. And uh, that way the event stayed in Nationals, which is kind of nice. That was 10? I think that was 10. Whenever Space Limits or the Nationals was at Space Limits Houston, 2009. Okay. And I, I went to both. I was here, obviously, and then I went to Chicago. So I was like, I remember this happening, but yeah. I thought it was here. Yeah. Um, it, one, one of those years, though, you did uh, Black Magic. Mm. This is my favorite team. You know this is my That's favorite right. team. I love that was one team. of my favorite teams, too, for sure. So Black Magic, we, um, it was actually Joey Jones's idea. Joey was a big four-way competitor. He was on uh, FX and Magic back in the day. So he came up with this idea of doing four-way on, on your backs. And there's no rules in the, in the Nationals regulations or anything that states that you can't do four-way on your back or on your belly or mixed or however you want it, even head down and vertical, as long as you show the points and you show the degree of rotation and things like that. You can do whatever you want. So he came up with this idea of doing all the jumps on our backs. And it was a great idea, but it was terrifying because <laughs> you'd be on your back for the whole jump, trying your hardest not to look at the spot or look what's underneath you. And then our goal was always to track away on our backs, but we couldn't do it. You know, we'd always flip over instantly. As soon as we hear our audibles, we'd flip over <laughs> so we could look at the ground and make sure we're not going in, you know. We have no idea where we're at or anything. But it was a blast, and some of the exits, I mean, we were just like completely contorted in the door trying to launch something out. Um, one of my exits, I forget what it was for, I ended up standing in the door holding onto the bar behind me and doing a front flip so that my legs would go over top of my head and my head would end up uh, facing back at the airplane. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I'd be kind of hanging out there on my back with grips. So it was really <laughs> fun and really bizarre, and I'd love to do it again. I really would. I would be, so first of all, how many points did you guys turn that year average? So we did, uh, I think it was 4.6. And the cool thing is we didn't get last. <laughs> and you guys competed in uh, Intermediate. Intermediate, yeah. Um, and Intermediate was good because the blocks were pretty easy for us. I mean, once we let go of each other, it was really hard to get back together. So the blocks were easy because you're always hanging on to someone and together you can kind of work yourself over. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as soon as we get to the randoms, we were just tanking quickly. <laughs> Could you imagine being the team who got beat by the guys <laughs> on their back? Yeah, that is sad, but I mean, it's an awesome part of the story for you guys. <laughs> for but sure, for sure. They're like, man, we I lost the guys. I who do were remember that we I mean, at Nationals, they do reverse standing on the second day. And I do remember we were in the airplane with those same guys, and it was kind of a little awkward for sure. <laughs> and then they're watching you exit. They're like, fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> they were um, Juliana Say and uh, Fabian. No, it was Juliana Say, Joao Tambor, Joao, yeah. Joey Jones, and myself. I can never remember uh, Joao. Uh, dude, I don't know if you know any of those names, Nick. Uh, not uh, not ringing any, any real bells, not drawing any faces. Super for sure. badass flyers. Yeah. They all started in the, t in the tunnel, in the Orlando Tunnel, back in like 98, 99. Yeah, if you, if you started then and you're still with it, yeah, you're. it's, <laughs> it's fair to assume yeah. you're pretty good at it. Juliana's actually the first person to take me to any tunnel, and it was Orlando. Yeah. We were uh, training at uh, Titusville, sure. and it was just shitty, shitty weather. How many suits did you wear? Uh, just the one I had. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually got from my back into a sit for a second. 
Um, the first time I ever saw or knew who Rick Nelson was, mm-hmm. he was standing outside, had no fucking clue who I was from Tom, Dick, or Harry. And he watched me for a whole fucking like three or four rotations struggle to try to sit up for a moment. I sat up for a moment and he beat the glass down. And I was like, this dude doesn't know me from fucking shit. And he just cheered me on. And so my first interaction, and I've never interacted with a dude, but that was my first impression. I'm like, sure. this guy is so cool. And uh, end up finding out he turns into one of the biggest DZOs ever. Yep. Uh, what a nice guy, man. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, that tunnel was a, it was fun to fly on my belly. Mm-hmm. It was really good. And it's the only thing I, first one tunnel I ever saw, it's the only thing we knew. And it's kind of crazy to think it's not that good. It's not. It just got decommissioned recently, huh? I mean, the new tunnels are so much better. <coughs> What's going on with there? Yeah, they tore it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if they've actually torn down the building, but uh, Orlando being as uh, touristy a, of an area as it is, they have a lot of uh, a lot of demand there. Yeah. So it's the only iFly-owned tunnel that has two flight chambers in the building. I, I want to say they're 10-foot flight chambers, so they're not big. They're, they're first-time flyer machines for sure, but it's a really pretty building. Have you been there? Haven't been there. Seen no. a lot of pictures of it, but haven't been. I would love to go check it out. I mean, it's... I, I don't really... I, I avoid the tunnel on a weekend. I avoid the tunnel when there's a rush of tourists. I just... That's, I don't want to be there for that. But I would like to see that. That would be cool. And I would I would like to see that during the touristy rush. It would just be co- so cool to see so many people yeah. introduce to skydiving. The, the twin tunnel one is pretty neat, too. I, I actually flew in one like that in Russia. And I was flying in the 14-foot side. And you could see all the way down the hallway to the 10-foot side. And you could see basically myself flying. I was flying with a team at the time. You could kind of fly up, and then you see the, <laughs> the first-time flyers way down the hallway flying in the other one. It's kind of a neat neat visual. You don't really yeah. see that. Buzz Fink tried to do uh, Airborne in San Diego. The tunnel didn't do so well. Uh, super nice guy, but uh, the tunnel failed. Uh, mechanical issues, whatever. I don't know the whole story. But they were side-by-side big tubes. Nice. And it would have been so cool. Uh, so, so cool to see. Aren't they, um, Nick, are you showing video of... Yeah, I'm trying to find something of the uh, of the facility that'll show both tunnels. They <laughs> they've been talking about uh, in Dubai, I think, building a really big tunnel. Yeah, I keep hearing that too. I've been hearing that for quite yeah, some time. Yeah, Abu Dhabi, 32 footer. And where's that, well, it was almost done before the entire building burned down. Whoa, no way. No yeah, shit. I heard that it was uh, really close to moving wind, and that there was a fire due to welding, and then it was a total loss. Wow. The this was maybe just a couple of weeks ago. We were looking online at the uh, this this. It's just a crazy outdoor mall slash insane waste of money in the Middle East. <laughs> that there's like a crazy. Uh, there's a Ferrari, like maybe a dealership with a racetrack and just any anything that you could think of to throw money at. And this uh, it basically looks like a theme park. We were looking at it on online on Google Earth, and from uh, what you could see, it looked like the building was almost done, so I don't know if it burnt down and they're almost done rebuilding it or if the photos are just old from before the, the fire was there, but it was really close. I've had dreams of wind tunnels that big, just like flying around and having little obstacle courses and things like that. It'd be so much fun. It's the biggest tunnel I've flown in is Memorial. That's 14, right? Yeah, 14. Um, there, there is a European tunnel. I think it's in utrecht which i would even have to look on a map to see where that is but they have two it's called city skydive they have two 14 footers that operate next to each other and how far apart like gosh feet? yeah real, real close I, it's a similar uh similar layout to uh airborne if i remember right okay dude it would just be so cool to to see it would 
it would be fun to have people actually doing choreographed routines tunnel to tunnel. Oh, that would be awesome, yeah. It, it, using lights to turn one on and one off so you didn't always see the flyer in the same way. I just... Did you guys see the thing on Facebook that was making its rounds the other day of like the uh, choreographed routine that they were doing? I think it was like on a pirate ship or something where they were. Yeah. Like oh, dude, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it was it's amazing. It it's, in, uh, it's in China as part of a stage show, Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Um, what did you break? Oh, it's my phone. Okay. Nothing important. I don't care about that. <laughs> uh, as long as it's not the hard drive for that computer. Um, I thought I saw that in a Cirque that they were doing that, Cirque du Soleil. Hey, dude. You went to Cirque? You went to... Yeah, the one that's in town right now? Do you, how, what'd you think of that I intro? Thought was, I thought it was a pretty fun intro. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't gone yet. I will tell you, uh, it's a skydiving intro. Well, oh really? Yeah. spoiler alert. I don't care about <laughs> it. That's, I will tell you. I got no problem with that. Um, I won't tell you anything else, but oh man, how cool was how they did all that? It was pretty neat, man. It was a, I'll, I've never been disappointed by a, by a Cirque du Soleil show, yeah. but I would say this is one of the better ones I've seen. Yeah, uh, it's uh, definitely a different show. It's more grounded. Um, it's more multifaceted. So it's different from any of the other ones I've seen. You ever go to any Cirque du Soleil? Yeah, I've been to a couple of them. I, I saw one in Vegas a couple of years ago, and it was spectacular. Is it the giant one with the water? Yes. I, I forget go. what they call it, but it was really good. Oh, I think. Something like that. I think it's so. I uh, I don't really have a care to go to Vegas again. I've been a bunch of times mm-hmm. in my life, um, but I actually want to go see shows. I want to go to Vegas to see shows like that and other really cool shit. Yeah. So maybe you have to do it again. Um, you've competed. Sorry, I, we're going to go back and forth with this conversation. Um, you competed from four-way to VFS. Why the change? Uh, something different, something new. Um, I, I think that it's fun to go back and forth from disciplines, you know, and there, there's within skydiving, there's such a diverse group of people, and it's fun to kind of go explore four-way side and have fun with belly flyers and it's also fun to go hang out with free flyers and do some free fly jumps and things like that and then you know all all aspects of it i i I definitely feel that if you if you do one aspect of skydiving i mean you're definitely missing out on a lot of fun that you could be having and a lot of really neat people that you meet along the way you said it at the end neat people one of the things that you said Go do belly jumps and or free fly jumps and hang out with the free flyers. Go do belly jumps and hang out with the belly flyers. You kept saying the people, the people, the people. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, you've heard me say it over and over again. You come for the skydive, you stay with the skydivers. I know a lot of people in the sport, and you and I we, we've hung out quite a bit recently. And you know anybody and everybody that comes up in a video, a picture, they walk by us. You, you've known them all. Do you think it's really been the skydiving or the people? Or I think it's both for sure. I mean, the people definitely keep me here. I, I, I definitely feel like I've tried to n- almost quit skydiving a few times, and I can't. It's impossible, you know, for whatever reason, whether that's the skydiving part or the people. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I haven't put that much thought into it. What I do know is that it's impossible for me to quit that. It's, you have a grin on your face right now. Nick, have you ever jumped with Thomas? Um. Gosh, I want to say we were on a jump together in Dallas at some point that went to shit. Somebody's 500th jump it was I supposed think you're to be right. a hybrid that just totally didn't work at all. I think you're all. totally right, yep. But, uh, so you've seen his face in the plane? Oh, I wasn't uh, taking notes or anything, but I'm sure his face was in there, <laughs> he too. Was, he was eyeballing you me. You come alive. <laughs> you come alive. That, that stupid, goofy grin you have right now, you, when you talk about jumping, I don't think I've ever met anybody who loves skydiving more than you. I, I do love it. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> yep. You get amped up, you get geeked in the plane. 
Um, you're like me. I like the door shut as late as possible on the ride to altitude. But you're worse than me. You won't <laughs> shut up the whole way. No, out. especially in that back corner, man. That's like my happy place. Like sitting right by the door, the otter getting blasted by the wind. <laughs> you're cold as shit and just love having that door open. The people up in the front of the plane are trying to get me to close the door. And it's like, oh, it's so nice right here. <laughs> and now you're the boss and you can do whatever <laughs> you want. Right. <laughs> like I'm the boss of this door. You can suck it. <laughs> man, I... Uh, I Thankfully, when you and I were jumping together in San Marcos, it was a time of year where I'm like, I'm great with this. But this time of year, I'd be mad at you, man. <laughs> yeah, this time of year doesn't get open that much. It doesn't get open very often at all. No. So, Thomas, you've been on a lot of teams. You've had a lot of different uh, kind of team dynamics to, to observe. What uh, what would you say is something that the, the successful teams have in common? So, understanding other people's goals and actually setting expectations early. So, more often than not, the reason a team will fail is not because people have conflicts within the teams that it's because people have differences as to how much they want to train or how much money they want to spend or how much time they want to commit. And if people can commit to that early and understand and, and find a middle ground and make sure that everyone's on the same page, it's super easy to keep a team together. Having that common goal and having the clear expectations is, is all you need. So communication about what, what we're in this for. Are we just having fun? We want to win a gold medal? What are we doing? Exactly. Uh, how often uh, would you say it's healthy for a team to meet and kind of rediscuss those goals and progress? Often. Almost every camp. Almost every time you train. Just make sure you're all on the same page. So any little thing will just start eating away at it otherwise. It's kind of like a marriage or a friendship. Not, maybe not quite so much a friendship because friendships uh, are a little bit more time apart sometimes, and that's fine. But... A team is very much like a marriage where you have to have that open communication and make sure that you're talking the same the same things and, and understanding where each other want, wants to go. So how often in this uh, team marriage do you discover that there's a teammate that uh, isn't just, just isn't fitting? I mean, it's happened a little bit in the past, um, and I think that does happen sometimes. It definitely, it's uh, a little easier if you have those clear goals in the beginning, but it's never an easy thing when that happens. So just strategically, I guess this is probably going to be different depending on the person is and, and what the shortcomings are. But uh, for you, do you have kind of a personal breaking point of like, hey, we should either have this meeting and try and get DJ to get his shit together and, and start playing on the same level as the rest of the team? Or, hey, DJ is not going to be on the team anymore? No, I mean, obviously, if, if we have those clear expectations, then we know that DJ is, is, needs to get his shit together. If it's the sooner we can have that conversation, the easier that conversation is going to be. Is this an intervention or something <laughs> going on? So we're going to keep doing the podcast. You're not coming. Aww. No, you can't be in the room either. So <laughs> I gotta leave. <laughs> can I at least stay in the house? It's my house. Yeah, you could be, you could just wait outside. Sweet man, I'm just in the living room. You can listen I'm to I'm the out. laughter from the hallway. <laughs> I wonder what Val. I I don't know if Val hears us or pays attention to us. Every now and then she tunes in, but I, I really wonder what she thinks while we're in here. Probably like, thank God. <laughs> you know, I have a wonder. It's the opposite direction that. I wonder when people hear the cats come up and meow at the door because sometimes it's super loud that <laughs> I hear them meowing and I'm not thinking about... I'm just wondering who the hell is here and like if I was listening to it at home because we have cats that are pretty vocal, I would just be looking around <laughs> for the cat, you know, and wondering what the hell they're up to. Well, it's okay. a good thing that uh, dark colored cat isn't in here because that thing's angry. Yeah, he's he's just a bipolar little fella. I call him Dick Kitty. Like straight <laughs> legit, man. I introduce him. To anybody, I I was late introducing him to you. Oh, he by the way, he's an asshole. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah you're about a day late. Yeah, it's uh, so that's what you get for not listening to the podcast. <laughs> there are but there are a bunch of people who come to my house and they go like, "Hey, where's Dick Kitty at?" I'm like, "Ah, uh, he's the black one. Yeah, just, just leave him alone." Um, 
Shit, I lost my train of thought again. There it goes. Choo-choo. You were talking about Val listening in on, on the conversation. But maybe yeah. we had moved on oh, to some other so stuff. I want I really gotta know. People hearing cats. I, I've always wondered when my cats get loud and start attacking the door <laughs> meowing. Has anybody ever heard meowing in the background of this show? Yeah, ho- hopefully that can turn into another inside joke. <laughs> yeah. Like another drinking game. <laughs> yeah. You drink when you hear the cats. <laughs> Kevin Craig, please answer that question because I know for sure at some point you're listening right now. Andreas, just go home. Whatever you're doing, stop. Go to it. ET's cafe. <laughs> Open six days a week, That's I heard. Right. That's right. <laughs> Oh man, I, I love you, Andreas. So, do you have a team that you've enjoyed more than any of the others? Like one that really stands out as either fond memories or just really good flying? Yeah, you know, Black Magic was definitely one of those for sure. That um, that's just the for the fun of it, right? It was so much fun. And it was just kind of a almost a parody in of sorts, you know, mm-hmm. just such a such a good time and there was really nobody cared so much about score or, or competing. We were just out there having fun and just kind of doing something do, new and different. Mm-hmm. I would be so curious today how th- you said you want to do that again or see that again sometime. The level of back flying today is highly increased. Yeah, but that's not really the issue. I mean, once you put a rig on and you bend your legs up 90 degrees, that rig gets loose, right? So it's kind of scooting you all over the sky. So I remember the first time we did it in the tunnel, we got um, a dummy rig, put it on, and Joey and myself get into the tunnel, and we try to make a dock, and we were just basically pegged against opposite <laughs> walls of the tunnel for about five minutes. <laughs> And I was a I was a pretty decent backflyer in the tunnel before I could really make it work in the sky. Yeah, and I feel like um, a rig that fits really well, for sure. Especially when you get used to backflying with tandems. But man, I I could have done way more stuff in the tunnel a lot easier than I could do anything in the sky. Yeah, like absolutely. trying to fly my feet to a, a tandem student mm-hmm. in the sky was impossible. If you would ask me to do that in the tunnel, no problem. Yeah, for sure. But I think once once you adjust to the rig and you have a I have a rig that doesn't move when, yep. when I backfly, but I, I can't, uh, I don't know if that's just the shape of my body, shape of the rig, or if maybe I'm just getting real lucky. I'm sure, I guess there would be certain body positions if I had to really adjust for a fall rate that, that maybe it wouldn't sit as, as tight sure. as I want it to. But uh, I, th- I think we could make it happen, man. I think so, too. I mean, it yeah. sounds like we got most of a team right here. We just need one more person, a video guy. I spin on my back a lot. That's my <laughs> job, dude. You've seen well, it. Okay. You've been I mean, there. There's some blocks that you need to do that, so we'll just assign that to you. <laughs> DJ, spin time. <laughs> DJ, you're up. <laughs> I'm breakdancing, bro. It's <laughs> a backspin. It's, uh, I'm with Nick, though. I don't. My rig doesn't move a lot. I, I do get to spend a lot of time on my back in the sky. <laughs> um you're, you're doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. Oh, you, dude, you're holding on my leg for dear life. <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember on that eval jump, you just snagged me by a leg. I don't think holding on for dear life is the appropriate word. I think throwing me back over on my belly is the right word. I don't word. think I snagged you by, by your leg. I think you need me in the face. Well, that's what you get for getting in the way of my knee. <laughs> don't fly so close next time. Um, so how, how much time would you say is ample time for a, a team's train? Like, uh, let's say a team of similar level flyers to yourself, people who aren't still learning to skydive, maybe some people that have team experience already, everybody knows the dive fool. How often are you guys going to train? <laughs> In a perfect world, about one jump before nationals. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so uh, you guys want to do a pickup team? or? I mean, pickup teams are always the best, for sure. There's just low level of commitment, low level of uh, risk. It's just go out and have fun with your friends and... Typically, a pickup team, if you do 0 to 80 jumps, you do really well. And then if you do 80 to 200, you do terrible. And then if you do more than 200, you do really well again. So, so, you, so 1 to really 80, you're still there. just having fun. Exactly. No pressure. You don't know what you're bad at at that point. Okay. 
and then above 80, you've committed enough time, maybe you're going to overthink the shit out of this Yeah, thing. and then you know what you're bad at, and you start like, oh, man, I, I don't want to do 10s. I'm not very good at 10s. <laughs> and then once you get past 200, you're actually pretty good at most things. What, what uh, If you know the, the highest number of training jumps you've done with a team in, in a single year. Oh, God. Fast tracks. No idea. Um, probably 800 to 1,000. Wow. Yeah, that's too many. I'm how, how many was it fun through? How many jumps until it wasn't fun anymore? I don't know, 80? All right, cool. <laughs> 80, that's a good... All right. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, they're all fun, but um, that's, that's way too many jumps. I mean, it definitely destroys your body. I'm, I'm guessing just throwing it out there, Fast Tracks was probably that team. Yeah, I don't remember how many we did, but we definitely were up there. I mean, I remember doing 35 jump days regularly. I packed, oh. I, I packed yeah. for uh, Eric Jin when they were Fast Tracks and, and uh, when he was on Fast Tracks. And did a bunch of other stuff with them. And yeah, thir- uh, 20, uh, a, uh, 20, 24 jump day was a slow day. Yep. Um, but a lot of days were 36 jump days. Yeah. But in all fairness, I mean, we were, we were going up in the Otter by ourselves. So it's not like it's a long ride to altitude and it's not like it's an uncomfortable ride to altitude. It's basically grab a rig, get on the airplane, jump out after Tell five Tell the minutes. guy packing two of your rigs every load. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so that was Justin Price. Uh, I did it at some point too, man. It's, oh my God. Five guys get in an Otter, go to 10.5, land. They do six loads in a row and you pack for them. So on these six loads in a row, are you guys doing the same jump six times over? No, or we, we do a different jump every every six jump or every load. Are you dirt diving in the plane? Uh, we would typically dirt dive before. So you're going to dirt dive everything and then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, it's too much. It's too much information trying to do. Even trying to do the same jump every single time, you like, you'd get sick of it for sure. I know. Uh, I don't know how it worked out. At, I think you guys were at start when you did it. Yep. But John, the team owner, actually brought a portable mock-up to buy the plane so the team could walk it one more time. They, they'd land, grab a rig, walk to that mock-up, walk it one more time, get on the plane. And I'm not sure if you guys did the same thing. Yeah, pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. I still have some fast-track shirts. Want one? <laughs> uh, I think I still got some. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Every time I walk to that team room, Billy Andrews, here's a shirt. <laughs> Every single year, so sure. I had like a dozen. Do you remember those guys used to do uh, mock-ups into a pool? Yeah, about that. <laughs> do you know this, Nick? No, that's a brilliant idea, though. I'd love to see some video of it, but I'd hate to be the guy who's launching high and having a belly flop into the pool. <laughs> 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 that's not going to give me a good exit. Are they wearing jumpsuits? <laughs> yes. I'm not sure. I'd love yes, to see video. Though. If are. anybody's got video, send it in. Um, there, I'm positive some people have video, and uh, I think I can find pictures from just my history. Perfect. Um, they would in the winter they wanted to do exit camps, but they couldn't do anything. It was winter, so they rented a sp- They rented the pool at the Y. They put a mock up at the side of the pool, and they would launch pieces into the pool. Hopefully, it was an indoor <laughs> pool. <laughs> it was. It was an indoor <laughs> pool. At least the pictures I have. <laughs> it's just we laugh so hard, man. To me, that uh, sounds like something like someone with twenty jumps would do. In the winter, like they, like you just want to jump so bad, and you're too new to know how dumb you look, so you go to the pool with the mock up. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen video of like, let's say a new jumper, they got their new jumpsuit, or maybe they have their rig or whatever, and they've built a creeper at home, and now you see video of people like a guy and his buddy on the creeper in the driveway at home. That seems like the move to also do. Like, you can finish up the driveway creeper session, go to the pool in your jumpsuit. That, doesn't that seem like a good move? That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> it does. It also sounds like the same guy who would who would buy a uh, trailer and logo it the same way and a shitload of really nice gear. John took a lot of pride in that team. He did, for sure. 
Dude, he uh, he invested all he could. Everybody had to do yoga. I uh, I don't know what he did with you guys, but um, John, Judy, Eric, Jen had jobs working for fat. They were, you know, like how a company hires a softball ring. You're like, we're gonna hire Michael Jordan for our basket. He hired them at his company, paid them like just a basic job. It was a legit basic job. They worked. They did a job, and then on weekends or weekdays, whenever he wanted them to be off, they were his company skydiving ringers. Did you guys, did you have a job or? No, I was coaching, just coaching and, and doing that team. Man, how guy, I, I, so when I left Indiana, I really lost track of fast tracks. Uh, when those guys left the team, I actually knew Doug Park's name. I knew your name, but I didn't know you guys. So I'm like, eh, you know, good luck to those guys. Reach on. Uh, um, how well did you guys, I never watched. How well did you guys do? Uh, we got second at Nationals. We were doing really nice. well for a while, but um, Airspeed just beat us out. It's airspeed, man, and you For know sure. that. Yeah, <laughs> you know that because your your next tier, your eventual team, or your next team. Uh, I think it was. Let's go with next. I don't remember what was between right now. Was airspeed, and it's really cool because did you actually were you on airspeed at the same time as Nicholas ever? Uh, no, no, I wasn't. That would have been so cool, man. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yes, I, yeah. I was on airspeed with Nicholas. Yes, one year I think overlap. Uh, no, years? it was like four years or five years. It was a lot. No. Six years. Because you guys were on fast tracks together as yep, well. Yep, exactly. And then you guys went to, it's so cool that you've been able to compete at such a high level with a good dude mm -hmm, over and over again. For sure, again. yep. Fast tracks uh, did a lot of training jumps a year. It was a definite uh, immersion process. Yeah. Uh, that's the way John liked to operate. I What's airspeed train like? Uh, we were a little smarter with training as far as we weren't training as much, so... We were still training a lot. I mean, still, I think, six to 700 jumps at most. But we were not doing 35 jumps in a day and things like that. We were typically capping at 12 or 14 at most jumps in a day. And we just found that after a while, I mean, fatigue plays a big factor, right? So one of the big things is just the, the time on the drop zone. If you're on the drop zone for 12 or 14 hours mm -hmm. in a day in the summer, you're going to be exhausted for those last few jumps, and your performance is going to go down. So we found that training when we're feeling the best and our, our performance will therefore be the best. So, you know, in a shorter time period was a lot more beneficial. So we'd get a lot better training, even though it was a shorter day, our performance would be way better as opposed to if we were trying to train all day long and getting six or seven or eight, however many jumps at the end of the day where our, our energy is low and we're just not doing it as well as we could. I'm sorry, I thought Nick had something. Um, oh, I've been still looking at videos of uh, City Skydive, the the <laughs> the uh, twin <laughs> tunnel in Utrecht. Yes. Just just to answer your question of how far apart these uh, wind tunnels are, I found oh uh, a video that man that's been bugging oh. me for oh. the whole time. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 Here we go. That is. Dope, but look dude. how beautiful that is. Oh, that's amazing. And they're doing choreographed routine side by side. Are you sure that's two different tunnels? I mean, they've they've done a, a video mask so you can show both at the same time. You can have someone flying in both. E but yeah, this is this is the everybody needs a Mr. P in their life. Because I said I want to see two people flying a choreographed routine side by side, and Mr. P <laughs> makes it happen, man. <laughs> by the way, Mr. P is his alter ego. So, uh, man, s um, send me that. I don't know. Uh, put that in a comment on on the Facebook page. Do you mind, Nick? Not one bit. I. Uh, I love it because when we find interesting things like this, they'll comment on the Facebook page for people to watch. But I just I go back. I'm like, I got to go watch this. I didn't have time to see what was going on. Uh, 12, 14 jumps a day. Yep. How early would you guys start? What kind of pace would well, you take? Well, we start pretty early in the morning. Um, you know, depending on when the drop zone was open, we'd, we'd typically go for a run in the morning, um, go do 15 or 30 minutes of tunnel. 
Um, and then from there, we'd go straight to the drop zone and typically jump the jumps that we just flew in the tunnel. And then if we have any issues throughout the day, we'd go back to the tunnel and go work on those issues. And we'd still be out of there by 1 or 2 o'clock. Uh, time out. Right behind you in that fridge, on the bottom shelf, is a Waterloo water. It's the second one, that watermelon-looking thing. Will you hand me one of those? Mm-hmm. Thank you. You trekked us in the Netherlands, by the way. I know you were wondering. <laughs> you trekked us in the Netherlands? Yep, Netherlands. Uh, so I was actually going with, like, Ukraine or something like that. I don't know what, what country I was looking at. Um, I was looking some Russian want, wannabe country. Um, crap, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I, you really killed the flow with your uh, sparkling water. I wanted a water. Say. I was thirsty. And by the way, Nick, you got Waterloo now. Thank you, uh, dude. Uh, who who was here last week? Tony left it. Oh, Tony yeah, left it, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we share some common uh, love for different beverages. Waterloo being one, uh, Hopadillo being the other. Never heard of a Waterloo. What's a Waterloo? Stupid sparkling bubble water with a little bit of flavor in it. Yeah, that it's happens to be delicious. It's a pretty good one, actually. Uh. So if you want one, you uh, you also drink sparkling water. So I do. Old people things. That's right. <laughs> um, quality. You guys go up and you do your 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 uh, tunnel session. I having a tunnel on the drop zone. Uh, sorry, and that's where you're at. You you guys would do the tunnel session, jump, and then go work out your kinks. Yeah. How much of a difference do you think that makes? I think it, I think it helps a lot for sure. Um, I mean the ability to in the same day have two tunnel sessions at the beginning at the end of your training is definitely beneficial. When you say you go work out your kinks, I picture in my mind, hey, we went up and we were turning these points, and here's a couple places we have problems in. Rather than go turn points, let's go work on moves. Is that what you were doing? Yeah, um, either working on specific blocks or working on transitions from a block to a random or a random to a random or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, we could put those in the tunnel and just try to get a little bit better flow on them or try different sequences that would be the same sequence but a different way of doing it. Okay. I mean, that's typically what you would try in the tunnel a lot. Engineering it then. Yeah. How much has engineering made a difference? A lot. There's a lot. So, uh, again, talking about tunnels and advancing and skydiving and, and the amount of times that people have done different formations, even in the sky at this point, we're starting to get a better collection and a better understanding of what transition are the better ones, which ones don't work at all. And now, I mean, you take any high level four way, I'm sure, VFS coach, FS coach, or eight way coach, and they have a, a very large understanding of what has already been tried, what works, and what doesn't work. <coughs> so if I was the average team, uh, the average team is, is not going to do this committed for a living. The average team is going to have a job and do this here and there on weekends. What kind of training weekends should they have? Um, no more than 12 jumps. and try to get those jumps as quickly as possible. A try day. To, yeah, 12 jumps a day at max. And obviously with 12 jumps a day, you need two rigs, right? So if you've only got one rig, realistically, eight jumps a day. Um, if you've got the two, you can do the b- either two in a row or three in a row, four in a row, five in a row, six in a row, take a break in the middle, and then do the rest of them. With airspeed, how many would you guys do? Man, at the end, we were trying to do six in a row because we wanted to, especially in the summer, try to get off the drop zone as quick as we could before it gets hot. Okay. If you had the weather perfect the way you wanted, how, would, how many would you do in a row? Twelve in a row. You would? Yeah. I mean, realistically, six in a row with a 20 or a 40 in between just to get some lunch and... Um, you know, take a leak. All six different jumps. Yep. Or all the, yeah. So now I look at the average team today, though a lot of teams are training back-to-back repeat jumps. Yeah. They're doing the same dive flow twice in a row, so down. So the problem with that is you can't really debrief the first jump before you go to the second one, right? So you're losing some learning and you're reinforcing bad things. 
or maybe bad things that you did on the first jump on the second jump. So if you're doing a different jump each time, and then you debrief him as a bulk debrief at some point, whether that's the same day or a different day, and then go back and repeat him, you get a chance to not make those mistakes again. So you really don't prefer the pattern of, of, of back-to-back, same, same jump twice in a row? I'm not a big fan, no. Yeah. Typically when I coach teams, I would have them do two separate jumps, and then we debrief both of those jumps in the 20-minute break and then do either a repeat of that or the next time you do two different jumps. So it's still definitely the opportunity of the repeat, but with constructive learning. Yeah, training. always have the repeat until you're right up, in, up against nationals because at nationals you don't get a repeat, unfortunately. And you get so many different random things, literally not mm-hmm. just by name, that you need to practice everything possible. Yeah, exactly. Can. Yep. And back to that, the casual teams, back to the everyday teams, you actually did what some people would deem some like more casual teams early on, how many jumps a year do you think I would want to do? If I wanted to go out there and not necessarily be the best team out there, but ha- have a good, serious, competitive year? Well, I mean, when you say good, serious, competitive year, that's a loaded question, advanced. right? I mean, in advanced? I mean, uh, these days in advance, oh, you a need to have... Gun. Yeah, for sure. You need to have a couple hundred jumps. I mean, yeah. th- th- some of the advanced teams are doing better today, at, at, say, next this year's nationals, than the world-level teams who are doing in 2000 and 2003. So who are some of the advanced teams out there right now? The oh. names I might recognize. Do you know? Yeah, who are these sandbagging sons of bitches? <laughs> you, you don't get them in your head. Um, I, I can't think about it that right now. How many points are they turning? Do you know? Right now? Probably yeah. close to 20, I would think. 20 points. Jesus average. Christ. 2010, I know 10 was, uh, 10 point was third place average. Or 2009 it was. In advance? No. Uh, advance was Havoc, right? Scott Elmer. Hold on, let me just look up some scores here. What, what you're wondering? Stand 2009 by. and 2010. 2010 FS Advanced. Yep. Uh, Omniscore.com, only place I know to look. Um, so isn't Scott Elmer Havoc Advanced? Uh, I might have been. Open I don't remember. Advanced Intermediate. Yep. Um, Val competed on Havoc that year. That's right. With a 10 point something average, and the previous year they would have medaled. That year they barely missed. Wow. So that I, I don't remember, but that's that's yeah. where my commitment. I mean, that's almost ten years ago, right? Yeah, fucking, they picked up ten points in ten Pretty years. Close. I dude. think I think if they're not pushing the twenty, they're very close to it, and if they're not close to it, they will be very soon. And really, if I think about competitive, let's go to two thousand and ten nationals, and who went intermediate? Do you remember? No. The Air Force Academy was who it? Just had remember they did two or three years of just boatloads of tunnel time, yeah, and showed up and just ran away with nationals intermediate. I think two, maybe three years in a row. Didn't they win this year too? I have no clue. The last couple years, I've completely just take my slipper, have that. Thank um, you. The last couple years, I've gotten really disconnected from watching nationals. Um, I think I've just been busier and more immersed in what I'm doing. I, I hear you. I'm in the touch. same boat, dude. It's uh, it's been interesting to watch you switch boats, to watch you switch streams. Um, I want to talk about that in a minute. I, at some point, sorry, I'm checking my timer here and there to keep track of where I'm at. Nick, are you got somewhere with that? No, I'm, it looks like this is a. Pr- <laughs> I'm seeing some HTML code where I'm supposed to be seeing a website, so it looks like we, we're missing a few things. You are the Matrix. So let Go me uh, <laughs> l- let me keep digging. I'll I'll let you know if I find something. Do you see green numbers flying across the screen now? No, not yet. Um. So the average, let's just say the average team out there, then just uh, I'm at some mid-sized drop zone, and I want to be a really good team. I want to have a good year. What's a normal amount of training jumps you would see? I'd say like a hundred to two hundred jumps. I mean, that gives you a pretty good, a pretty good understanding of the dive pool and a pretty good understanding of uh, exits and things like that. 
you should be able to do pretty well if you've got the right group. But then also coaching makes a big difference. And anybody who's done a team without coaching and then got coaching knows exactly what I'm talking about. Having that outside perspective, um, someone who's not emotionally invested in the team dynamic as it is, Mm -hmm. someone who has that outside perspective makes the world a difference. One thing I like you say outside, and one of the things that I'm really a huge believer in is, first of all, local coaches are great. I will not fault it. I think local coaches are very necessary but bringing outside who don't even have any connection to you. Uh, yeah. A great example for me is Demo, who does a good job with his toxic team, his toxic, toxic system, and it's great to have a homegrown coach who can support them every weekend. So I, I fully behind it. But how important is it bringing out that complete outside stranger? It depends on depends on the level. So, I mean, even top teams. So Airspeed this last year, they had uh, Solly Williams come in and coach them, and I think that made a world of difference for them too. Um, and I know Rhythm has uh, people come in and coach them, and I think that's important. When you were on Fast Tracks, did you guys ever have a coach? Yeah, we had Gary Smith on Fast Tracks, and it was great. I mean, at that point, all of us were professional coaches. That was our jobs, and we still had an outside coach come in, and we still all learned a lot and did way better because of it. So I can't can't stress the importance of it enough that that outside perspective makes all the difference. You've been coached through your whole skydiving career. How much different were you as a student being a professional coach versus when you weren't a how different was I as a student? Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, it's fantastic because when you're when you're trying to self-coach, you're constantly looking at yourself to see what what you're doing wrong and how you can improve and how you can make mm-hmm. things better. And sometimes it's just not the case. Sometimes, let's say I have a really good jump and I don't do anything wrong. I'm still looking for something that I can put forward and say, hey, listen, I want to improve on this, you know. But having that outside coach, it's very black and white. It's like, okay, DJ, you did really good on this. And Actually, DJ, you didn't do good on this, and Nick, you did good <laughs> on this. You know, so it, it makes it very clear where the mistakes are I'm happening. I'm about to do real shitty on some skydives, buddy. <laughs> you, you just keep talking, man. <laughs> we'll do toe touches oh here. The goddamn. Um, you just hope it's really cold when we finish these tandem course jumps. Because it's already cold. The, if it stays cold, I'll just keep arching because I don't want to mess around. I'm just like, I'm just going <laughs> to get this over with. Just get this over with. It, it really wasn't as bad today as I thought it, it was wasn't. Be. It wasn't bad at all. It, uh, you know, I was layered up underneath everything, but my I just had normal gloves on, and I got under a canopy. I'm like, this is not horrible. It's uh, it's not great. That's because I was keeping you warm. Dude, you're such a cuddly buddy. It felt so good. Um, did, did you guys mention that you're in town doing your tandem rating? No, we no, haven't. Just, or you guys are just talking about why my cuddling that you're cuddling. Football. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, uh, yeah, so we'll get to your tandem rating at some point in life. Um, tunnel time to a team. Is that important? I think it is, but, I mean... It's really important if you're doing a tunnel competition, but nationals is still in the sky. So mm-hmm. no matter how much tunnel time you do, you need free fall time, and free fall time is way more important. And exit time? Exit time. The so, hell? I mean, we, we've talked about it for years. Like, where you win or lose a world championships is out the door. That first 10 seconds out the door is where you're winning or losing, no doubt about it. The hill is just, it's amazing, and, and it's amazing to watch what the top teams are doing. You're skydiving quicker on the hill than we can ever figure out anywhere else. For sure. I mean, these days we're, they're doing 15, sometimes 20 points within the first 20 seconds of free fall. Jesus Christ. Or first 10 seconds of free fall, even. Nick, you got something? Yeah, I got the scores for uh, 2010 Nationals. Carolina Turbo XP, first place, average of 14.5 points. Fallout, uh, average of 13.9 points. Quattro, uh, average of 13 points. And Holler to Space Land Light, fourth place, average of uh, 12.9 points. Okay. What what then they weren't in the intermediate that year. 
Oh, there, is, is Havoc on that list? Right? Oh, gosh. Maybe these are open scores. Maybe you've caught me slipping. No, those weren't open. No, because Light was not open yet. Uh, no, because... Quattro, yeah. Space Land Light, Paris, H-Ball, Carolina Ice. Space Land Havoc was in eighth place, yep. And they had uh, 10.5 points. Okay, I remember the round. number. But I, So what did they do in 09? Havoc placed third, I think, in 09. And I want to say it was... This, I, I, I think that's what I'm remembering wrong. Is in I, The year before, Val was embarrassed because her first team was Havoc. She never did four-way in her life, and she went straight to four-way advanced. You, what, what did Wait, she you said she was embarrassed? Yeah. Why? Um, that's great. She felt bad because she just wants Val wants to be the best ever. Um, I she, mean, that's typically a good attribute going to a four-way competition. Yeah, yeah. And she just wanted to be better than that. She was disappointed that she she let her team down. She felt like she was a slow person on the team. And no, everybody did their part. It was a team, and she didn't do anything bad. And consoling her was part par consoling her. If I remember right, was like, hey, babe, you you guys would have placed last year. And now I'm going to be wrong about that, too, so it's okay. <laughs> but then what's more important, placing at nationals or doing the best you can do? Dude, having a good time and doing the best For you can sure. do. For sure. And so we had this conversation earlier, right? One of my best teams that I ever had was Black Magic, and we were second or third from last. And had a blast. Yeah, and we had so much fun. I had an absolute blast, man. And said and done, she had a lot of fun that year. They did, I'm going to guess, 100 and some odd training jumps. They did yeah. 10 hours of tunnel time that year. Everybody on that team is a professional, a professional yeah. in life, because at that point, had to fly to XP to do tunnel time or paraclete or whatever it was called. Um, and and it, so there was three tunnel trips. Um, her first tunnel camp was Kirk Verner was the coach, and then he was flying with Johnny Eagle, and I forget who else, uh, in, between, in between the breaks. And Val came home just distraught saying, uh, Scott Elmer was on the team. Scott wants to be just like him. I'm never going to get there. And after she told me the story, I'm like, sweetheart, Kirk Verner's coaching you. You're, he wants to be like him. It's like, I want to be like Michael Jordan. Uh, except for Scott has probably a better chance of being <laughs> Kirk Verner than I do Michael <laughs> Jordan. Um, and I, I had to look at the video. It put her at ease. But her, her immediate first tunnel camp, her first impression of four ways, I have to be Kirk Verner. <laughs> <laughs> that lady put a little pressure on herself. I, I think I've had that same thing in the past, like hanging out with Kirk, and I did a team with him years ago and wanting to be Kirk Werner. He's a machine for sure. I uh, have really never – I've got to know him because of the board. Him yeah. and I spent time. We sat close together, um, so we got to talk a lot. Dude, he wears a nice watch. <laughs> that, that, there's a time I looked at his watch. Um, no, Scott Smith's watch. Scott Smith has a watch from some – Dubai or some country, some military contractor just gave him a nice watch. I'm nice. Like, God damn. Yeah. I kept trying to steal that from him. That never worked out. Okay. I got Spaceland Havoc 2009. Okay. They placed third with an average of 12.1 points. Well, I was right and wrong. <laughs> so, um, and now what's this last year's Nationals advanced place? Ooh, that's uh, you're going to take me a second to come up with that. Um, Omniscore. Have you gone there? Uh, their stuff for the for these older years is is missing. But for this so current I'm on year, right, I think they had a, a I'm on hard Sky drive League crash right or something crash where they ah. lost all the old footage and all the so old scores. So we want four way advanced. Yes, uh, averaging sixteen point four points per round. Okay, so I was way off, but <laughs> but they still they're almost there. Yeah, that's still sixteen points. Yeah, it's pretty healthy. Um, I do know that there's non professional teams, teams that don't don't train, and that's not their only job. They're breaking the 20-point barrier or, or right at the 20-point barrier. 
Yeah, it looks like uh, airspeed, rhythm, they're in between 25 and 27 points. And who's next? Um, Hayabusa is number one. Uh, Arizona Airspeed Rhythm, Golden Knights, Airspeed Odyssey, Defiance. So what was Defiance score? <sighs> Defiance, they came in sixth, and we have, yeah, 20.9 average. Yeah, so they're not a professional team. They both broke a 20-point average, and they did it, and they only got six. Jesus Christ. Like, that's wild, man. That's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Do you um, know how good... I mean, you know how good it feels. Do you know how good it feels to turn 20 points on a skydive? That's insane. Yeah, that's in 35 insane seconds. Fast. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is it a solo when I'm clapping? Exactly right. <laughs> that's the only way. <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you, I've gone out and turned a bunch of points with Billy... Uh, did you do a 21? I, I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man. The Billy, uh, Billy, uh, uh, John, and and, J- and Eric. And really, I say we turned a bunch of points. They danced around me. <laughs> it just told me to grab on every time they went by. So that was Fast Tracks prior to him. So I've turned a shitload of fast points with him. They've set up a couple fast uh, fast skydives just so I can see what it was nice. like. Yeah, they're they wa- fun, huh? They wanted me to get interested. And I just got my FF rating. I'm like, hey, guys. So I'm, I've decided being a belly, better belly flyer would be super important to my job. So I'd like to try some of this four-way stuff just to see what it's like. And I, ho- holy shit. I told you I think maybe today I hated four-way until I found out there's a difference between four-way and four-ways. I hate yeah. going doing four-ways. You want me to go do four-way with you? Oh, man, that actually interests me. Uh, one thing I love that's going on this year is uh, Texas Skydiving League's coming back. Yeah. That's great. Dude, that is so phenomenal. They're following the National Skydiving League. So if you're in Texas, man, your chance to compete throughout the year, Spaceland San Marcos, Spaceland Dallas, and Spaceland Houston are all hosting. Um, Quite frankly, I hope other big drop zones and other drop zones in Texas can get involved over the next few years and people pop up who can do that. Um, It could be there. There's really no better way to improve your skills than be on a team. And have fun. Yeah. I actually am interested uh, this year or next year finding a pickup team and grab oh, yeah? a couple group of friends. I mean, we got three right here. We just need a little bit of backline. Well, s- so here's where I'm at, man. What's your wife doing? Right now? What's my wife doing? Good point. Want to go do four-way together? Yep. Now, here's the handicap. Me. <laughs> <laughs> you know my rules about four-way, right? Tell me who to grab when, and I'll do my best. That, that, <laughs> that brings up a question for me. Nick, shoot video. Yeah, that's fine. I'll shoot video. I'll, I'll watch the chaos. <laughs> but uh, so so let's say that you have uh, a draw in your head that's seven L fourteen. Yeah. So how how do you practice? Like, do you do anything to establish a rhythm with the flow of that in your in your brain? Yeah. So it's for me, L-lighter. it's all a song and a dance. So seven. What was it? Seven L fourteen. I just made that up because I don't know the the no, four that's way fine. So I know I know how long it takes us to go through a seven. Mm-hmm. So let's say seven, an L is a really quick one. It's a quick transition. It's a round L, standard L. And then a 14, it's a slightly longer transition because somebody's got to do uh, like a 90 in there. So I know how long that's going to take, and I know how long a 14 is going to take, which is a lo- little bit longer than a seven. It's a 540 instead of a 360. So within that, I can say seven, L14, seven, L14. And, and that's kind of how I get so the rhythm of things going. And that's what so I say to myself So you're singing the song and visualizing I it. I sing the song in free fall, too. Are you singing it as yeah. it's happening? Okay. <laughs> yeah, because oftentimes like, I'll be moving around. If I'm not singing the song, I'll, s- I'll just completely forget what I'm talking about or what I'm, where I'm going to. And uh, if I sing that song, I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly where I'm at. So I have a question that I think 
I imagine you're going to have two different answers, but maybe not. Where would you tell someone to keep their eyeballs? During in, their, in their head. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. God, you're such Thank a you. quick smartass. But uh, where, where, where are they focusing with those eyeballs? Where are they looking? Where would you tell someone to look, and where are you looking? Are those two different places? Uh, it's it's two different places. So where I tell people to look is across, uh-huh. and that's really good for learning how to do four-way. Cause right, you so looking see, at levels, yeah, cross you partners. Yeah, you want to see cross partners. You want to see levels. You want to see uh, everything that's going on. As you get better, you start looking at where the last grip is. So I know that the last grip on a seven is going to be uh, the leg grips from the, the, the point in the tail. Mm-hmm. I know on the L, it's probably going to be on the outside center, or it's going to be the one from inside center to point. And then the 14 should be uh, right-hand grips, or excuse me, left-hand grips. So, so cross partners to, to develop fundamentals. Exactly. And, and once you've got the, the fundamentals, then you start branching out from that a little bit. And end for the next grip once you're exactly. uh, achieving if you think ninja if status. So this is the big thing. You know, People are always talking about looking for eyes, uh, especially for keys. Eyes lie. You know, like <laughs> grips don't lie. Uh, there's been so many times. <laughs> These grips don't lie. Can I <laughs> exactly. please be the next Shakira hit? <laughs> <laughs> Take that for the eyes please, thing. Please, can that be the name of our team? These grips don't yes. lie? Okay, perfect. Let's do it. I'm All done. Right. I'm in. Now! <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so you're, you're, you're watching to where you <laughs> so know it's going to close. you're watching for where the grips are, so as soon as you see that grip getting close, you're already starting to move to the next one because you've got a little bit of a buffer in there, right? You've, you've got a little bit of a shock absorber. You pick this grip up here, already start moving before you let go of that grip, and that's just little ways to save time. I've heard people insinuate that you can't see a grip from above by a judge, that people will sometimes pass their hand over a grip. And try to trick it, and, and you know you're trying for the grip, but sometimes you're just gonna—that's what you get and hope it passes. Is that really happening out there? Not that I can do, that's for sure. I mean, if you think about it, you're trying to get two, two mo- or two objects in motion, moving at the exact same speed. I mean, that's yeah. almost impossible to do. You have to make contact for sure. Okay, I know. I believe the Unless idea. Unless there's that some ninja shit that I don't know about these I days. I believe the idea of resting really exists. Yeah. Like you just put your hand there. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But I was like, man. They're not pulling off hovering. There's no No, it's impossible. Way. I think it would take way more time than it is just to pick up the grip. I mean, if you're there already, you might as well just drop your hand down and rest it on the grip. Did you hear this recently, Nick? Where's that? Yeah, I, I heard someone talking about this, too. I don't remember who it was. I, I feel like Was it Tony? Could have been. I think it was Tony. Tony, take that. I like your water. That's wrong. <laughs> but was it on the show? I don't feel like it was on the show. I feel like it was in the video room. Was I'd, it, l- I'd love to was see some video, video of this... Uh, Hovering over the grip. And I'm not. I'm not certain that it was Tony. What did you say? I'd love to see some video of this uh, supposed hovering over the grip. What is it, hovering? Oh, don't you start either. <laughs> is that a mustache thing? Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> she always makes fun you know, of me I, the way I say hovering. I honestly I don't know what's wrong with it. I would have had no idea that you were British originally, unless you had mentioned it. Oh yeah, hovering. Or, do you do you prefer British or English? I know that. Uh, it depends. You know, um, British is typically if you're His talking about going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you get a cup of tea in here to make this proper? <laughs> I offer where's, one coming in. Where's the queen? Did someone save her? Uh, he's <laughs> on the couch over there. <laughs> Super. <laughs> uh, that's a good scotch. <laughs> no, but it seems like younger people prefer to be called English and older people fr- prefer to be called British. Not, well, ga- not well, going to dig yourself which? here. No, answer that. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Uh, I'll go with the younger one. All right. English it is. Perfect English. So uh, where, the, where did your English accent go? How did you get rid of it so thoroughly? I would I never didn't. have known. It's just a couple words. So my wife makes fun of me all the time. I, I say things like uh, whilst 
was, was one of them <laughs> wow. today. I, I was pushing for that one. <laughs> um, garden, or, uh, instead of saying garden hose, or what do you guys say over here for a hose pipe? <laughs> yeah, garden hose. Garden hose yeah. See, it, it's <laughs> funny because it feels like, to me, your voice sounds totally American. So it you is. just sound like an American guy trying to make fun of Americans, <laughs> and there's a disconnect of like, what do you say over here where I totally sound like I'm from? Did you pay? Uh, did you read the hashtags at all for him? No, no, I didn't. The first one says mustache. Yeah, if, yeah, got it. Mustache. That's a good one. I, that's I. The first time he said mustache in front of me, he said mustache, and I did one of those. What did you just say? <laughs> say I, I would have just assumed <laughs> that you were being ironic and comical, saying mustache. No, I can't. It's kind of stuck with me for a while now. I have a problem now because ever since that trip to San Marcos. It's a mustache. <laughs> That's not a problem. You're no. finally saying it the right way. I've come to Jesus. I have come to mustache. I mustache you a question. <laughs> um, so what, but you moved to the States at what age? F- 14. Okay. Yeah. And did you get made fun of to the point where you decided you didn't want to sound <laughs> English anymore? <laughs> yeah, Central Florida high schools. <laughs> oh, those sound like some kind children. <laughs> Very compassionate. <laughs> I could imagine... Man, that was Val raised in Central Florida high schools. Yeah, they're pretty thug-like. They're pretty gangster. Yeah, I mean, Val's pretty thug-like. Dude, she <laughs> she is a baller. She She's a tough woman, that's for damn sure. Indeed. <laughs> Tackle the planet like a motherfucker. <laughs> um, oh, my God, I lost this <laughs> track again. Okay, well, before Moustache, where were we? <laughs> um, we talked about competition. We talked about teams competing. But one of the things I wanted to break into tonight, and we're going to run out of time if we don't do this at some point, is you took a break from skydiving. Yeah. And when you took a break from skydiving, you and your wife got in a boat and literally sailed. Sailed the Caribbean. We sailed. We didn't have a sail, but we motored, yeah. Motoring. We were motorboating. So, motorboating. You motorboating. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, and you guys did that for how many years? We did it for a year and a half. So we, um, we just had our daughter. Um, our daughter was probably, what, six months or so. Uh, moved on to the boat, and we had a blast. We cruised all the way up the east coast of Baltimore, all the way down to the Keys, and then uh, from there we went to the Bahamas. We actually, we were back in Florida. We had our son, and then we went to the Bahamas for three months um, and then came back, and it was the funnest time ever. It looks like a blast. There's a lot of great pictures, and I think we could probably spend an hour just talking about that. But... During that time frame, you kept yourself occupied here and there by going to a military contracts. Correct. Military contracts, uh, if you don't know in the in the sport, is is really probably one of the most lucrative parts of our sport. Uh, if you really want to make a great paycheck as a skydiving instructor, your goal is to become a military contractor. Uh, working for companies like TAC Air, uh, I forget the new Air Force company going out there, but there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, and at some point, you got a phone call one day. From a guy named Steve Boyd. It wasn't even a phone call. I was actually in Dallas, and I was organizing at the uh, Revolution okay. Boogie uh, this last year. And uh, he brought up the idea of me running the drop zone in San Marcos. Actually, he didn't say it was San Marcos. He said a drop zone somewhere. And uh, I tried to pry out of him where it was, and he wouldn't tell me. Because he didn't know yet either. <laughs> 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 People all the time will, uh, will say, where is he buying next, where is he buying next? And there was a day in the packing room people were asking him that question. And badgering him, like, buy my drop zone. You should buy this drop zone. It's where I live. And I looked at them and him. I said, I will tell you guys where he's buying next. And he gave me the fucking shittiest stink <laughs> I've ever seen from him. And I said, whoever signs a paperwork next. And he's like, Dad, that's actually the truth. That's where I'm buying next. Um, and it's not his intention. It's people have to commit to selling their goals or dreams. Right. People have invested their lives in these drop zones. 
But he wouldn't tell you. You come manage for me is what he said. Yeah, he. I, I've known Steve, uh, and that was one of the teams I missed, was uh, Spaceland Force. Set a world record. We did, yeah. So anyway, I've known Steve since then. Um, you know, he, he sponsored our team in Houston and um, always respected the guy. I didn't really know him very well at that point, and uh, not really until recently since mm-hmm. I've taken this job. But um, he offered the job in Dallas, and uh, initially I'm like, ah, I don't really want to manage a drop zone. Um, at the th- at the time, I was traveling a lot, so I was I was basically living in Colorado, traveling for work everywhere I went. Uh, we were high up in the mountains, so it's not a whole lot of skydiving activity going on. But um, decided between my wife and I, we decided that um, it would be nice to not be traveling so much, especially with the two two young kids. So um, kind of thought it through for a couple weeks and decided we'd we'd take the opportunity. And. Gosh, I think September we took over. Yeah, September fifteenth. I'm gonna say about a month prior to that, you really started getting active with, yeah. with the company with Spaceland. Yeah. And you're you're really a rare breed because when it comes to USPA, the organization, uh, skydiving and fun jumpers are the entirety of it. But when it comes to the two of their biggest focuses, because these two focuses drive all the fun jumping, competition, safety, and training. Those are the two biggest arms of of USPA by far. Um, there are quite a few people who excel at one or excel at the other. I'm known for safety and training. I am a safety and training guy. You are a competitor. <laughs> I There's a guy named Dan BC, and, and most of us have heard of him, but he stands out for, for several reasons, and one is he's excellent as a competitor. Another is he's excellent as a safety and training guy. And then, of course, the climax is he, he is all of that. That that There's very few. Yeah, he's all of that and a great guy, too. Yeah. He really is. You're turning into the next NBC. You are now I wouldn't go that far. Tra- oh, but uh, but Dan is definitely one of my mentors. I mean, he's somebody yeah. I've looked up to for a long time. I think you're at the beginning, and, and, I, and I hope uh, years down the road you can look back and realize that I think you will be there. And I've, you and I have had a lot of safety and training conversations in our life now. Yeah, for sure. We've had a lot of meetings and where your mind's at and what you're doing. But no matter what, you are now in the safety and training world. Yeah. What's the transition been like for you? It's been interesting. It's, uh, there's been a lot of learning. And luckily, I've, I've been surrounded with people that are amazing, you know, yourself included. Um, a lot of people to give me guidance along the way. And, and with the Spaceland family, there's a huge network of people that are in a supporting role for any drop zone or for the, the company as a whole. So that's tremendously helpful. That's one thing that's blown me away is I, I got out of the real world and out of corporate stuff because I don't like those things. Um, I'm a really big fan of small companies and small organizations. And in the out in the, in the whole, Spaceland really is still a small organization. Yeah. But we've also become somewhat of a corporate entity. And, and some people actually accuse us of being just that. And it's been weird to watch how much that network has grown and how complex it's become. And I, I don't think any of us at this point receive an email that's not copied to three other people. because, <laughs> And it's always different yeah. because this is relevant to you guys. This is relevant to you guys. And it, it's great because two brains are better than one. Sure. And we have several very different minds, and everybody still knows how to respect each other. Yeah, that I think is the largest challenge. And how do you, how do how do you do that? How do you accomplish that? I can disagree with you, but still work with you. I think a lot of that comes from having the the team mindset, right? So I mean, the team mindset it doesn't change if you're doing a four way team or if you're part of uh, the the drop zone team. I mean. 
I, I have people on staff that I disagree with, but we still respect each other's decisions and respect each other's opinions. And I think I wish more people would do that in everyday life, to be honest with you. But I think that um, I think just being part of that team and seeing the greater good and having that common goal. I mean, we all in the Spaceland team want Spaceland to be successful. And I think that that gives us that common goal, just like we are on a four way team. It's um, it's difficult. And I actually I'll think of a guy that you'll immediately recognize some thoughts of is a buddy of ours, Cotton. I got a lot of respect for Cotton, and the thing that he's been able to do is is stop and listen and think of other people's viewpoints. And despite not agreeing with you, he'll respect you, and in the end, learn what he believes better, whether he agrees or disagrees. It's one of the things I immediately liked about him and, and, and Cotton. I don't think I'm saying a bad thing. To the beginning, had a little bit of conflict and struggle with you and or I. Yeah. And very quickly, he was able to come to terms and say, we don't have to agree to respect and like each other and become friends. And I really uh, very quickly became good buddies with him. I think you've had the same interaction. Yeah, for sure. And his his energy for skydiving is pretty <laughs> awesome. He does the little Facebook Live <laughs> things for us. And uh, some of them are, are like the other day, it was an hour long, and there's people watching the whole thing. It was fantastic. Dude, when it was Skydive San Marcos, I knew who Cotton was because I saw this guy on Facebook maybe three or four times on post from Spaceland San Marcos. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to watch who this guy is. And I couldn't <laughs> stop. I'm like, this guy's got me engaged. Yeah. Whitney and I, before we uh, agreed to take the job, we uh, were kind of Facebook stalking the staff a little bit. And, uh, you know, of course, his his Facebook videos came up and we watched most of them. And we're like, yeah, we like this place. This this guy's fun, you know? He's a good time, man. Yeah. And then he talked about Connie, the swooping grandma. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, he's definitely, have you, you've met Cotton, I think, Nick? Yeah, I met him when I was there. Yeah. It's just an entertaining guy, an engaging guy, and that's a thing I think we've all been able to do as a team. Nick, you're a huge I, part of that. I do want to know about, uh, more about the swooping grandma, though. That's a, I don't think that's Connie's something you can awesome. just mention. She fly, I don't oh know what God. size Valkyrie she flies, but it's something small, and uh, she flies it like a boss. Like, fantastic. How old is this lady, if you had to guess? I don't want to. Okay, so I'm just going <laughs> to imagine. <laughs> I'm just still going to see a beautiful, but, but she's literally super young a grandma, grandma I mean, on, a, I mean, on a Valkyrie. Her, her grandkids run around the drop zone on the weekends, so, I mean, she's literally a swooping <laughs> yeah. grandma. I'm going to say awesome. she's probably 50 to 55, and if you told me she I, was I 60... I think she's probably like 35, to be honest with you. If you told me she was 60, I wouldn't be shocked, but she is a healthy 60 if she is. Awesome. So I, I really think 50, 55. Is that is, it is really interesting to see who can fly what parachute. There, uh, there, there's an older gentleman at Spaceline Houston who who flies a Valkyrie. I don't, I don't know George his name. George Neeson. He oh, yeah, the mustache. He's, he's actually a San Marcos local. The, but that's a what? Fine. He has a what? A moustache. Pardon <laughs> Thank me. You. He has a big curly moustache. And he yeah. has a moustache. Oh, he does. It's fantastic. It's so great to see people like that fly parachutes Yeah, he, like he, that. Uh, he comes out to the drop zone with us and swoops like crazy. Yeah. He, I think he's on a 90 or... I don't know what size it is, but he definitely he flies it good. He, he somebody told me this old man's on the Valkyrie, and they were super freaked out about it, and they made these really scary stories. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go watch, make sure this guy's okay. And I'm like, well, that wasn't like impressively badass, but that was pretty good. Like th- I didn't see nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and he always wears the bright green suits yeah. and bright yeah, green bright helmet, green, yeah. bright green canopy. Next time I saw him land, I'm like, whoa, that was better. Oh, um, well, I haven't seen Scary yet, and I to this day have not seen anything. No, I haven't either. Yeah, I've been like, his bad landings are just normal straight-in landings, and that's what's bad about him <laughs> is they're, like, less exciting. <laughs> his bad landings just aren't as fun. Which, I mean, less exciting landings are actually a good thing, they're right? They're a great thing, and and that's one thing. I, that's one of the reasons I think George is okay on that canopy. 
is he knows when to back off and he knows when to push forward. He, he it, it impresses me how hard he pushes on it. And the first time I saw him actually push really hard, I was like, when the fuck, where the fuck did this come from? Mm-hmm. And I started watching closer and closer, and he picks and chooses. If he has his lane, if he has his his, his cho- choice, he takes it. If he doesn't, he lands. Yep. He's a super, super smart dude. And he free flies and belly flies, too. I saw him on a free fly jump while yeah, I was there. fantastic. Like, how long has he been jumping? You have no clue. Not a clue. I had Nick. You, Nick didn't even know his name, so he didn't even know where he jumps. Nope, apparently, no clue, no idea. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd guess probably close to fifty years. I don't know. Man, he definitely has done his time. He has. Uh, have you met Pecker here? No. He's another one of those jumpers who's been a long, long time coming. And yes, Pecker is not really his name, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to ask about that. Dude, he's uh, awesome. He's got like a uh, dual dual GoPro setup on a frap hat. It's <laughs> <laughs> <so> fucking awesome. <laughs> he he has two rigs. He's got a really nice, really clean modern aerodyne with a. Gr- I mean, it's a whole nice really clean setup and then he's got this old rig which i don't know if it's a wonder hog or i, mean I think it's, it's an old vector i'm yeah. pretty sure but it's from probably <laughs> same year i am i don't know if old vector i think it's a vector before they called them vectors maybe that's a wonder hog <laughs> yeah or, or it might have been a sweet hog by ssk mm-hmm. but it's an old rig and it's when it's shitty weather out which i don't know if you've heard spaceland houston gets muddy sometimes <laughs> I have heard, yes. <laughs> and I, I saw the stack of shoes out there today. <laughs> it's quite, quite impressive. The shoe Nazis. <laughs> Steph is on the shoe situation, man. Could you imagine if we didn't say anything about shoes? Be God, like we'd have so many. We could be a, a used <laughs> shoe store if we just threw them in the wash every once in a while. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous how many people leave shoes out there. Um, Oh, crap. <laughs> that really has become part of my uh, morning workout routine is rounding up all the shoes. And it gives me an extra mile to walk between picking them all up and getting them all in a pile there. Seriously, you're the you're the pile monster. Yeah, I mean, just when I'm out there and I'm, you know, first thing in the morning and the sun's coming up and now I just start to see all these shoes everywhere. It's like, yeah, I should make some shoe art. We just need a shoe, like a big sculpture or something. <laughs> That's a good idea. You know what would be really cool? A shoe rack, right? Yeah, we should do. We should, we should make a shoe rack. So yeah, you know dry the out. canopy dryer we have? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Imagine something like that, but a tall tower PVC with small little things and little holes in it, and you just stiff your shoes on. You're risking athlete's foot from your friends, but I mean... Worth it. <laughs> I think a shoe sculpture of an otter <laughs> would be way better. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, for real, dude, we need to tell Brian to I mean, make this. I, I think we've had an unusually wet couple of years. Whoa, that meant like yeah. the, the mud, the, the way that it's been the last month or, or month and a half, it's not normal. So it's like we're going to build this this epic shoe rack and it's going to solve this problem for the last two weeks of whatever rainy season and we have to be drought. in. Yeah, and then it's not going to rain for two years. But the thing is, is it won't drought until we build this for the last two <laughs> Maybe, weeks. Yeah, I so guess let's that's build a good, it Let's build now. it. If you build it, the rain will stop. How many do we? We had two canopy dryers. Are we still have two? Gosh, I'm not sure. For I know, now. I know where the one... Zachary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know where the one always is in Hangar 2, but I know that I've seen two of them out there at some point, but I feel like maybe one, uh, the, the motor burned out or something. See, I think one of them is gone as well. We, dude, I wanna, we need a shoe dryer. I want to tell Stephen <laughs> this idea tomorrow. Well, oh. let's commission Justin to draw it up. Now, Stephen and I have talked about this exa- exact idea a, f- a few times, Come about the, the PVC... The yeah, like with the Man, with one of those I'm pumps. I'm not so even original anymore. No, I <laughs> I think my dreams. I think if someone we'll, we'll get Justin to draw it up in the CAD program and do it up. 
Wait, are you talking about a PVC shoe rack and you need to draw it up in cat? <laughs> yeah. Dude, do you know how excited? I I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I think Justin would be super excited to make that. Dude, it's Justin. PVC with a few holes drilled in it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Dude, it, 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 Justin would do this 100%. You've met Justin, right? Do you know what level Justin nerd who? Grubs? Oh, yes. Do you know yes. what level nerd Justin Grubs is? 100 yeah, he enjoyed showing us 3D rendered CAD drawings <laughs> on his computer the other That's night. That's awesome. So That's great. Where is Justin? I thought he was going to be here. Oh, I think We told him you were coming, and he's like, Oh, nah, understandable. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah, he, he got a sore leg or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he couldn't come. Work meeting, I think. Yeah. Okay. He, his, uh, he has a work meeting that is the third Thursday of every month. Today is the fifth Wednesday. I mean, that was the only reason I came, is I heard Justin was going to be here. So I don't think the meeting Harper. is really the third Thursday. I think it's the guest he doesn't want to hang out with. Is He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they moved the meeting this month to be uh, the fifth Wednesday. What a jerk. Thomas Hughes, asshole. So you, you've shown up to the drop zone. Now you're, you're working in safety and training. What has been the biggest adjustment you've had to make? Um, I wouldn't say there's any massive adjustments. I mean, just being on the drop zone and um, uh, the constant questions of, of various sorts, you know, and, and uh, the moving from a team environment to, although it's still a team environment, uh, it's more of a management position is definitely a, a change. But it's a good change. I'm, I'm enjoying it for sure. It's, uh, I, th- I think you're lucky too. We talked about this this, yeah. this week. You inherited such a strong team. They're um, awesome out there, for sure. They're strong by skill, but more importantly, they're strong by personality. Yep. Have you had to hire anybody new? We've hired a couple new guys um, as we go into spring, ramping up into summer. I mean, we're advertising, which is uh, something new for the San Marcos area. So we're, we're definitely going to have a lot more demand for staff. So therefore, we are hiring more staff. I'm going to post something here in the next few days about a uh, few remaining slots that we have. So we've hired new staff, but um, we've been trying to really pick and choose who is going to uh, mold well with the existing team because that existing team is such a strong group of people. So we want to make sure we find someone who's a good fit. So my question is, is just that. What's more important to you, a skill set and experience level or a person? No, I mean, I'd take a good person over skill set any day. You I can teach skill set. You can't really teach being a I good person. I got 20 person. tandems, dude. That's all I got. Perfect. As a matter of fact, Spaceland San Marcos' newest tandem instructor is about to have zero tandems with a real customer. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we mentioned earlier, you're going through your tandem course. Yeah. So 21 years in the sport, and I'm just now figuring it's probably a good time to get my tandem rating. And and it's been interesting, man. Absolutely did a great job through most of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yesterday, Nick, I started. I'm going to throw you under the bus here. Let's go. <laughs> I figured you <laughs> would. Uh, we started the, the emergency procedure part. I'm like, how well do you know? And he felt pretty good. And uh, he said, yeah, man, it's just emergency procedures with a couple changes. Yeah, how, hard, how hard can it be? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a good, like. And then after about uh, three minutes of DJ going through emergency procedures, I was kind of zoned out. Like, uh. <laughs> I was like, we're going to have to be doing some work here. And it's very trainable, very learnable. But it was like he did not look at these as close as he No, thought. I didn't. I actually didn't really look at them at all. That, what do you know about tandem EPs? Gosh, I know. Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I couldn't say with 100% certain process, but I've just because we had a, a meeting after a scary video had come out of a uh, videographer being wrapped up in the in the drogue bridle. Mm-hmm. And there was a meeting where we talked about that, about stripping the rig. And I think that it stood out to me because it was like, well, I'm a lot more likely to be the person in the situation being wrapped up in that gear than I am the one pulling the handles. So it's going to be helpful for me to know what I should expect the tandem instructor to do 
and how is that going to affect me with trying to get this gear off of me? And so I paid closer attention to that than usual. But um, as far as just standard EPs, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of situations that I haven't ever had to think about just because I've never been the one in the situation. Can I sit down with you one day sometime soon and go through all the tandem EPs? And Can, well, you I think you should. You should quiz me on them first. Yes, exactly. And then yeah. let, me, let me see what I think I know and yes. what I can infer. And then, uh, and then I'd be happy to learn the, Before the real answers after that. Before we start, I'll tell you what every handle does. I think I'm getting sidestepped into a tandem rating. No, I think, you are too. I think it'd be great. I don't care about that one at all. I actually don't think you'll like tandems. You have to be able to flare all the way. And yeah, my hands are not going to fucking do that ever. <laughs> Double wrap every time. As soon as I unstow the toggles, you couldn't reach the toggles, dude. Come on. Um, that's what I'm. That's what I'm bringing a passenger for. Hey, buddy, can you reach up and grab these things for me? Hey, see those yellow things? I need them. So I uh, left my step stool on the <laughs> ground. I'm gonna need a hand. I you bring me into two conversations that I want to know, and uh, the second one that we'll talk about is the importance of video guys being trained to know what we do. But the first one is I'm curious. You go and you leave an airplane. You Kay. throw your drogue as a tandem instructor. Okay. You look back and you see Cody Swinson swimming in your drogue. Uh huh. The first thing you say is dumbass. What's the second thing you do? I love you, Cody. So the second thing I'm going to do... What do you do with a camera guy in tow? Uh, I'm going to disconnect the RSL first. I'm going to go down the right side of the rig. Explain that to uh, me. So I'm going to disconnect the RSL. I'm going to cut away. I'm going to pull the drogue release, and then I'm going to track for I don't know how many seconds. Five seconds. And then what? And then I'm going to deploy my reserve. Why do you disconnect your RSL? Uh, because if I don't, then I'm going to have him and the reserve and the main all tangled up. Why do you cut away? To get the parachute off of me and to start putting distance between me and him. And then why do you release the drogue? Uh, to make sure that I'm totally to get rid un of him. unattached from the from the gear and from him. Yeah, to get rid of him is my favorite way to say. Um, <coughs> so, kudos. And I actually was telling Thomas today we were going over procedures today. Um, or yesterday, and I actually mentioned after an incident that Nick and I did a video meeting. You did a video meeting, and we included that with part of the video meeting, and that all camera guys should be briefed, and all um, uh, uh, people joining Skydive should be briefed on, if, hey, you get entangled with my drogue, I'm throwing you bag lock on all my lines. Good luck. Worst case scenario, you're going to have to open a main parachute with bag lock and lines all entangled around you. Good luck. And you thought that was important enough that you actually asked for that meeting for your staff and, and brought me into it. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> videographer is a common job for someone who's just trying to, you know, start working in skydiving. There's yeah. not an official rating for it. You know, um, someone with, it's 350 in a coach rating. I remember this number right, or 300 in a coach rating. Thomas, you tell me. I knew this was coming. Yeah. Uh, it's probably, I think it was 200. 200 with uh, 30 in the last 60 days. As DJ bashes the <laughs> microphone against his face. 300 in a coach rating. 300. That's, okay, that's I never what I said. 300 in a coach I, rating. I always knew it as 300 in a coach rating until I think it was you that brought up the common confusion with 350 and 300 in a coach rating. Someone brought this up, and then I have forever confused it because it was someone else's confusion. Somewhere somebody pushed 350 in a coach rating. And I'm not sure where it happened, but it happened with either a candidate or an evaluator who works for me. A candidate who took a course to evaluate work for me. And it kept going around, and I spent like 
three years telling people, no, it's 300 and a coach rating. No, it's 300 and a coach rating. And eventually we got it back down there. Is there any other significance about 300 jumps in the world of skydiving? Uh, you also need at least 100 camera jumps before you can jump with a okay, tandem. Okay, so that could be if you started on jump 201. All right. Um, now I don't remember what question I'm answering. Can you tell me that again? <laughs> banana hammock. Yes, I wear one. <laughs> uh, You're not wearing anything. No, I've okay. always wearing a banana hammock. It's what pushes it out front, makes it look like I actually have something going on. So... How important do you think, and this isn't everybody, but I'll start with Nick, do you think it is for your staff to have known that? Uh, I sure would have liked to know it <laughs> if it. I was the one tangled up in that drogue bridle. And I, I would just like to know what's coming next. The, the more you know, the more familiar you are with what's coming next, the better you can develop a plan to get yourself out of whatever situation you're in. Have you lurked many tandems? I've done quite a few, yeah. And had you known that? No, actually, I know you didn't know that procedure before <laughs> this week, man. <laughs> I can't say it, uh, until actually a couple of days ago when I followed DC out. Um, that was the first time I had heard that I'd be getting a bag lock thrown at me. Do you think you should have known that sooner? Yeah, absolutely. Man, it, it's it's important, and really, a lot of our friends who are listening to this. Um, it's it's a challenging thing because I, first of all, don't think most TIs will tell you that because it wasn't until Nick really helped me think about that that we never, I never trained a video guy. Nick was the one who got this on my radar. And now I'll tell somebody else to lurk, lurk a tandem this. Um, so as, as a guy lurking a tandem, you need to know that's what's going to happen. You need to know you're going to get bag lock. I don't know as that guy lurking a tandem if you should go to the tandem instructor and say, hey, man, if I get entangled with a drogue, what's going to happen? Because as a TI, I'm going to go, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> near my drogue? If you think you're going to get entangled with a drogue, you're already in a bad place. Yeah. But you definitely need to know it. Have yeah. you? I mean, in the defense of the guy in the video that we watched, he didn't get a great count from, from the tandem instructor. Because it was a new instructor, right? Which is why he was so familiar with the process of what he was going to do with an entangled video guy. Duh. So he he's as a combination of things from from what I remember. It's been a while since I've seen the video, but a uh, videographer leaving from the step, I always tell everyone to, to be low, to be lower than the tandem instructor. One, you're going to get a better shot of the student's face. And two, the instructor is likely going to knock you off of the airplane before they really get ahead of you. So that if, if you're low and out in front, they're going to push you off, which is going to hopefully keep you, unless you belly out sure. on top of them, now you're, now you're going to eat that drogue. But if you can stay flying fast you can at least stay ahead of them and stay out from behind the drogue so the but the videographer's up on the step he's pretty high he's looking down the instructor's seated on the floor doesn't give a good count just kind of rolls out and then as a videographer that's when your instinct kicks in of they've just left i need to go and then he's just in the perfect spot to to catch it yeah so it's not uh but how many times have you seen a anybody exiting the door that doesn't give a good count yeah it happens yeah, yeah for, for sure, sure. It happens so I actually have three drogue interactions in my life. When I say drogue interactions, one of them is somebody in my drogue. Um, and and I, th I saw my video guy, looked at him eye to eye like I just looked at you. He's right in front of me. I throw my drogue. I look back and see my drogue's inflated. It looks good. I look back forward, and he's not there. My assumption is, is he's flying around for some cool shot. I touch my handles. I feel the trapdoor effect, and for those of you who aren't familiar with tandems, uh, when you pull the drogue release, when you let go of the drogue, the drogue collapses and you accelerate for a brief moment till your parachute opens. So you feel like you're falling through a trap door. Um, did you notice? Did you feel the trap door today? Oh, yeah. Sure did. So I don't feel it anymore. I mean, I, really? I feel it, but I don't. It's just it doesn't stand it's out. It's so new for me. I feel it big time. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. You get it's going to take a while to get used <laughs> to it, for <laughs> you, sure. You get used to it actually pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, 
so the, I feel this trap door in the middle of drogue fall. I've not pulled my drogue release. Why am I feeling a trap door? So what would you do? Look at your drogue, right? Mm-hmm. I look back, and my camera guy is in my drogue. Oh, he no. saw me throw the drogue, and I had a light student, and he was so worried about it slowing down that he banged on his wings super fucking hard. And when he really got those wings out, he overfloated me. When he got up to my drogue level, he looked at it, intimidated, like, oh, my God, there's a drogue. So when you stare at something, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You go You're straight right to into it. And he, he was swimming in my drogue. He got out of it. Everything was okay. So definitely, uh, uh, he probably just was inspecting it for you. <laughs> <laughs> just really worried that there was a problem. It, um, Maybe he was helping it inflate, like <laughs> shaking it out like a, a pillowcase. Oh, no, he owned every bit of this conversation. <laughs> when we, uh, he, he was uh, Dennis Anderson's son. Uh-huh. Um, so I had a very strong relationship with this young man. I, I watched him grow up for a while. Um, and uh, when we landed, I was so happy I was at a drop, uh, a Spaceland skydive because, you know, as we land, we fill out a logbook, we give it to the student, we tell them about their next skydive, and that interaction was a great time for me to be like, let me enjoy life for a minute. Mm-hmm. So now when I go talk to my buddy, I'm not going to throttle him. And when we got done, he walked up to me. He he paid me. I was like, hey, how you doing, buddy? He goes, oh, you know, I've probably had better skydives. I'm like, right on, man. So um, we probably should talk about something. He goes, yeah, I, I think I'd like to talk about a little bit of it. I'm like, right, what did you do? What happened? What are you going to do? Okay, cool. And we we walked away. It was easy. But, man, in the moment, you, you heard me say in the course, if you see a camera guy in your drogue, the first thing you think you're going to do is cuss at him. What's yes. a second? <laughs> I know that experience. So yeah. you mentioned the exit is is where we think about camera guys getting stuck on the drogue, and that's mm-hmm. the video you saw. It was a video from Israel that, that you're talking about, and your recall of the situation was very strong, man. Newer tandem instructor, white's familiar, uh, harsh count, bad count, tandem went out, the drogue wrapped around the videographer's leg, which really made it a violent videographer. Um, my last interaction, or my, my previous interaction to that, I left the step with a tandem instructor. Hey, show me your count. It's going to be this. Okay, new tandem instructor to us, very experienced tandem instructor. He told me that's his count. I'm going with it. And I was wrong. <laughs> and how long do you wait to throw the drogue? Man, I wait three to four seconds. I throw the drogue every time. Through. No. He stands in the door. He shivers. Like he's free. Like I didn't even shiver. It's just like, did you just stutter, man? And then he leaves and throws the drogue all in one action. So we're so close when he throws the drug. The drug bounces off my body, slides by my body. The bridle goes up my face, oh. catches my ring sight. I use nylon screws on my ring sight and snaps it off. So I was A-OK. Uh, I also kept my, uh, what is this lights called? Uh, yeah, your hi-pi light. Uh, yeah, yeah, I kept my hi-pi Indica- uh, indicator light, indicator light uh, taped to my to my uh, uh, <laughs> ring sight. Uh-huh. So it saved my ring sight from getting lost. So I actually didn't lose nice. a thing. It worked out great. Um, that one kind of sucked as well. Have you ever touched a drogue? No, I haven't. I mean, God, yeah, n- not in free fall. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been involved in uh, Just when I threw it once today. <laughs> yeah, he was like, it was cool, too. That's it. Man, I, I don't recommend it. I, I've told the story previously on this show. I've actually, is a, like at a 120 jump wonder, lurked my girlfriend's tandem. And uh, I will tell you, both the drogue and the drogue bridle are very firm things in drogue fall. I've heard it described <laughs> as it feels like rebar. And it does. <laughs> Felt like rebar. <laughs> I believe I've heard that too. <laughs> you know, re- did you know Dennis Anderson? Yes, you did. No, th- I, I didn't. I never meet Dennis. 
Uh, there's a video of Dennis Anderson in the tandem course of him making a mistake. And him and I worked a lot of tandem courses together, quite a few. I don't know about a lot, but quite a few. And we would take turns narrating this video. And at some point when we got to that one, he always narrated it was him. And out of love and respect, and you know how I feel about Dennis, uh, right behind your head is a clock. And Nick, do you know the importance of that clock? <sighs> that was Dennis Anderson's clock in his RV, and it's set to the date he passed away. 8-11. August 11th is the date Dennis, Dennis passed. So I'll never forget. That's my memory. That's my love to Dennis. Um, and then in tandem courses, I tell Dennis's story for him <laughs> like I was Dennis. It was rebar. <laughs> and then I go to pull my reserve, and I remember, wait, you're supposed to wave and tell your friend Shuby, get away from me. And then he got away, and I pulled my reserve. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's it's a fun, and as you watch, it's way more fun to watch the video as I yeah, tell the story. Indeed. And then you knew Dennis. Dennis I did. checked him out as a pilot. Yeah. Um, it, if you knew Dennis, it's a pretty good version of the story. It, those who knew him love me telling the story. The rest of you look at me like I'm an That's idiot. I mean, I had no idea that you had that story and really had heard it described <laughs> like rebar by someone who had grabbed one. <laughs> um, it, so it, it, someone it was came down after shooting a tandem video for us, had run into the bridle, grabbed onto it. You see their hands grabbing onto the video. He's like, yeah, dude, it was super stiff. It felt, felt like grabbing rebar. Yeah, I've touched a drogue bridle in free fall, and rebar was a word I was told at some point but not what I would have called it. It hurt is what I called it. That thing was pretty firm. Man, you can't move that thing. So I uh, didn't hit it hard, but I touched it hard enough that I was like, don't want to do that again. Um, so that the camera guy in Drogue, know your procedures. Don't go ask your random TI, are you going to run to the Drogue? Because I did. I'm not the, the brightest guy in the fucking box. Uh, but know those procedures. You're going through a tandem course, and, and for you, it's the newest thing you've done. Yeah. What is why? So, uh, for a couple reasons, I feel like uh, as a drop zone manager, I think it's important to know what everybody does on the drop zone. And I've done my fair share of scrubbing toilets, and I've done my fair share of loading the airplane and um, STP and things like that. Um, what I haven't done is uh, tandems. That's the the one thing on the drop zone. I fly an airplane as well, not commercial jump planes or anything. But tandems the only thing that I haven't done on the drop zone. So I think it's important to know how to do it. And in a pinch, if somebody calls in sick or whatever it may be, I can step into that role easy, which is super beneficial for a drop zone manager. Having a utility player. One of the things that I'm curious about is something that repeats in your life is you like new challenges. Yeah, I do indeed. And I think that's a big part of taking this job. Um, It's something new, something I've never done. And it's a, it's a, it's a cool challenge and it's a great opportunity to have and to grow within that. You're only, gosh, six, seven months into this new challenge, this new life? Uh, five, I think. Five? Yep. And let's be real, you've not seen anything yet. You took over at the end of the skydiving season. Yep. You know, I say, it's not fair to say the end of the skydiving season because our season never ends, but at the end of part, uh, of, of one of the seasons. There's multiple seasons for us is really what there is. Um, you haven't seen it full swing, number one, because it hasn't been full swing since we've taken over. Right. But number two... San Marcos, once upon a time, was a flourishing fun jumper drop zone. It was known. I, did you ever know San Marcos as a fun jumper DZ? Were you here long enough? Gosh, I certainly had heard it talked about. Uh, um, I think Ben Nelson was someone who uh, 
went there before he was ever working in, in skydiving at all, who, who uh, said it was a pretty great place. People would rave about it, <coughs> and they did things like the Halloween boogie, coming back, coming back, and and it died. It just it went away, and so I don't think you've seen the heat of it because you haven't seen the fun jumpers. You've seen them now for sure. Yeah, and then I think the tandem business. It's all about the change. Yeah, so we we've well a couple things. Um, bringing in more airplanes and lift capacity really helps our fun jumper side, right? So now we can get all those fun jumpers up in the air. In the winter right now, I mean, we're running one airplane on the weekday or on the weekends when we have good weather. That airplane doesn't really shut down once it starts up. So we're keeping that airplane going, and most of that is fun jumpers. Um, in the summer or here in the spring, in, in a week or two, actually, we're going to have an otter and a caravan. So we're going to have plenty of lift capacity for all the all the fun jumpers. Um, and we're trying to run a lot of events. We're, we've got a uh, big boogie in June, uh, the come and take it boogie, and then, like you said, the Halloween boogie in October. So we're trying to have nice uh, cookouts in, in the evenings and um, fun events. So we just had a karaoke night, which was pretty fun. There's some videos on Facebook. Are there some good comedy sketches there? Uh, not so much good comedy, <laughs> but there was some good singing. Not so much good singing either, but there was singing. <laughs> <laughs> what, did Susan sing? She did. Right at the end of the evening, though, we were bugging her all night to go sing, and she finally sang at the end of the evening, and everyone was just kind of sitting there with their jaws open like, had it most of them probably had I heard her sing. No, it was pretty spectacular. Yeah, and her her great big voice in this tiny little room. I'll never forget that. We had her on the show and she sang oh, really? two songs for nice. us. Nice. And I mean, dude, imagine having a private concert yeah. with Susan Hicks. Or Susan Hickman. Uh the first one we sat here and we did our thing. We actually gave her a line into the board so she played into the board, everybody could hear it. And the second one she played us out. And when she played us out, that chair used to be over here. Mm-hmm. And when she played us out, I actually just, we didn't have headphones at the time. Um, I just posted up over there and just kicked back and enjoyed the fucking show, man. Yeah, she's pretty good. She's, her voice. Um, I, I liked Susan Hickman the day I met her. The day I heard her sing, I fell in love. Yeah. And uh, her boyfriend at the time posted a video of her singing uh, Blue Bayou. I don't know if you've ever seen her sing that. I haven't. I haven't actually seen her sing live yet. I keep meaning to get out there, but every time I do, I mean, we've got two kids, so it's hard to get out. Go to her Facebook page, not hers, but her, the artist, her. Yeah. And Blue Bayou's on there, dude. And it, it's there's a few songs that I would call the sultry voice, that kind of like deeper voice that she does. Mm-hmm. Man, she just, uh, Jolene, it, it, you can ask her. Go ask her. Like, what do you? What's DJ's favorite song? What's your that, that you do? And she'll probably say Jolene. She knows it. I, yeah. I love that song. Uh, she's just so damn talented. Yeah, indeed. But you guys are really living it up in, in the fun jumper life. We are. We're really making the effort. We're really, uh, you know, we're sending light loads every day. If there's people out there and they want to jump, we'll do everything we can to send a load, even if there's only a handful of people on it. Just trying to get the community back. You know, like I said, the barbecues in the evening, karaoke. Uh, I think. We've got a uh, movie night we're going to do. Um, we've got, uh, uh, we're talking about a poker night and some other other fun stuff. It's uh, Trivia night is <coughs> the other one. Back to it. First of all, what's the company name you work for? Me, myself? No, no, yeah, yeah. What's the company name you work for? Skydive Spaceland. W- what company does Rick Nelson own? Skydive Chicago. Where, what's the drop zone near how many PD? Te- how many questions are there in this <coughs> test? Three. <laughs> How m- what's the drop zone near PD? Skydive Deland. And what's the first? There's four. What's the first name in all of them? Skydive. Skydive. Why do you open a place called Skydive and you don't fucking skydive? That's my first question mm-hmm. or first thought. And the thing that <coughs> you mentioned, lift capacity. It's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about Spaceland is Steve likes that word a lot, skydive. Yep. And it's the thing that, uh, A, you talk about lift capacity, but B, as a manager, you love skydiving. 
Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> I think that's evident with, uh, you know, like Ben Nelson's another good example of that, right? He's always on the <coughs> records and always active in the skydiving side. Yeah. Even Stephen Boyd, you know, you, you might not think he jumps a lot, but if you watch enough, you guys love skydiving. Yeah. I think a big part of the success of the drop zone is your, is your passion for jumping. Yeah, sure, and our passion passion for just hanging out with the people at the drop zone, too. I mean, we go back to the whole, is it the skydiving or the people? It's <coughs> both. I have seen some of the worst skydivers on a drop zone make a jump. Dude, have some more of that livid. No, I'm going to leave the livid for you. That's that's your treat. Dude, uh, you want to try that tandu? That's pretty good stuff. All right, I'll try yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have that monkey shoulder all you want. Uh, my favorite's that 14 Balvini. That's my personal favorite. Yeah. So, um... Uh, the thing that I, I don't know if I've seen this have been, and it's just because I don't hang out at Dallas enough to see this have been. Um, but I watch you and 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 Stephen both jump with the worst skydiver on the load for the moment, and you don't do it out of sympathy; you do it out of pure enjoyment. Hey, and you don't go and pick. Hey, you're the worst skydiver. <laughs> you're not doing that. But you don't use that as your opening line. Hey, man, you seem to really suck at this. I'll come with. <laughs> You're the shittiest skydiver I could find. I feel yeah. like the next person I jump with is going to be like, oh, I'm that guy. <laughs> you should go find Andreas and jump with him. I know you've now heard this, Andreas. I give it about two weeks because it takes him that long to catch up. So <laughs> two weeks from now, when he's opened at the EP's cafe, <laughs> you can say Andreas. <laughs> There's so much there. <laughs> Um, you guys find people that you just enjoy skydiving with and you ask them, let's go skydive. Yeah, it's the same thing as going back to, you know, finding teammates. I'd much rather find someone that doesn't have any experience, but is just a good, good, fun person to jump with and, and teach them some skills. I mean, that's one of the funnest things you can do in the air. As you know, I mean, that's your job, right? That's what you do for a living is to teach people skills and oh, teach yeah, people how to get too. ratings <laughs> and things like that. So it's the same for me as, uh, you know, as a drop zone manager, that's the funnest part of the job is going out and jumping with these people that you just met and that clearly, you know, need a little bit of assistance and a little bit of guidance and help. Yeah. It's actually when people say if you love what you do, if you do what you love for a living, you'll never work. I don't think they've done what they love for a living. Yeah. But those are the moments that I'm not working. For sure. Sharing those, man. Even today uh, on a tandem, and I, I think most people would know this, but I, I actually don't think they do. Um, I was asked today about you. So he's the manager at San Marcos. What are you guys doing? He's trained to be a tandem instructor. Okay, that's I was wondering. So he went by himself and he went with you. Why? And it was a very inquisitive like learning curve for him. And it's uh, so you learn all these ideas. You want to go out, number one, you want to understand and have empathy for the student to know what it's like to be in a harness, know what it's like to get hooked up, know what it's like to be in that helpless victim role. And then number two, to see all of the application of it in that perspective. <coughs> and so that's the first round jump. And when I'm jumping with you today, I'm teaching for sure. You can hear the moments where mm -hmm. I'm very like, you hear teacher Donji come out, right? Yeah, when you start calling me Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I determined at some point yesterday when he's a student, I call him Tommy. Other than that, he's Tommy. That's when student Tommy disengages his ears. He's done listening. <laughs> he's like, uh, um, I still enjoy it. I'm still not working. Yeah. And I think I saw the same of you. You know, when, when I was at San Marcos, the thing that stood out to me right away is you jump. You jump a lot, and you cannot help yourself when it comes to coaching. For sure. If I told you not to give me input on this jump, you'd probably tell me to go fuck myself and coach me anyway. Yeah, I would, <laughs> no doubt. And it, and it makes it fun. I mean, uh, it, there's, it's, it's seeing people 
take the input that you've given them and, and use it in free fall, and all of a sudden you see that light appear in their eyes where they're like, oh, wow, that actually works, and I did it. You know, this task that I've been struggling at, whether it's slow fall or tracking or whatever it is, and all of a sudden they nail it. I mean, that's a great to see that, uh, see that in them. And you've got to now do, you've done AFF for how long? Oh, I don't know, 10 years or so. And now do an STP, which is just a hybrid or, or a combination of AFF and other things. Um, uh, I really love the STP program, but I think the biggest difference in the STP program of anything is we maintain the standard. Yeah. I, and, man, I'll, I'll give you a secret anywhere in the world. If you maintain the standard of the USPA program, you'd have a program almost as good as ours. If you use instructors instead of coaches, you'd have our program. It, it really, there, there's no secret. Um, Steve actually has talked about giving out our program. At some point, he thought about actually releasing the program for the world and giving everything we know. Um, and uh, at some point, he's like, you know what? I got a better idea. I'll just create all the drops and just share it that way instead. Yeah. Which, personally, I, I like that version better. It's a lot more fun for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> it is for anybody else. <coughs> Um, but that is really the secret. The secret isn't anything we're doing. It's maintaining the standard. For sure, I agree. How much have you enjoyed working with STP students? Because now it's full-time. Yeah, so I haven't actually done a huge amount of STP. I, actually, if any, I've uh, helped them on the ground uh-huh. right now, but I haven't helped any in free fall because we've been going into winter. So obviously the amount of STP students that we have is lower than what we would have in the summer, and I want to make sure that that work goes to our staff first. Yeah. And what's, what's it been like managing so many personalities? It's been a challenge at times, um, but like we talked about earlier, for the most part, the staff there is good. They're experienced staff, they're mature staff, and that makes it a whole lot easier. Me coming into that role, they already know what their roles are, so I'm not really having to do a huge amount of managing, um, just the little things here and there. But um, overall, I'm super happy with the staff that we have out there. And what's been your favorite part? Uh, My favorite part? I can't really define what my favorite part is. I mean, the, the... all of it, really. I mean, it's it's in such a new role for me, and I'm really enjoying the whole whole aspect <laughs> of it. I mean, there's so many. I remember talking to Stephen uh, when I first accepted this job, and I came out to Houston for a few days, and I'm like, "Hey, Stephen, what would you say this job is? Like, what do you do on a day to day basis?" And he's like, "Man, I can't answer that question because every day is something different. It's there's a lot of problem solving, this uh, taking care of staff, taking care of uh, the the students that walk in, the tandem students or STP just." hanging out with them and making sure they're having a good time. There's a little bit of uh, customer service in there. It's completely different from hour to hour and day to day. You know, whether it's uh, (coughs) we've got an issue with this door, this door's not closing, or, you know, we've got uh, something that needs to be done in the landing area. It's just always different, and I really enjoy that aspect of it. It's never the same. You're catching tandems one minute. Yeah. You're taking a sign down next to the tandem room door (laughs) the next minute. Um, You're scraping. uh, Have you got all your signs off your doors? No, that's impossible. They're stuck on with liquid nails. Dude, so one of my favorite things that happened at San Marcos <laughs> is every single door at Skydive San Marcos has a do not enter or a staff only sign on it or don't go past this line. I won't say every single door, but 95% of them. Yeah. And Thomas, the first thing uh, he wanted to do was take as many of them down. And I found out because I walked up to Thomas and said, hey, this sign says people can't go watch their friends get ready for a tandem. I know it's a crowded room. He's like, yes, take it down. And the, one of my first actions at San Marcos was take down the you can't go hang out with your friends in the tandem room sign. Um, and Thomas in that conversation says, I hate all these signs. I can't stand them. Yeah, we just, we're just walking around the drop zone and say, do not, never, private, like so many unwelcoming negative signs as opposed to like hey come on in come check this out this is actually awesome like your your best friend or your husband or wife or whoever is in here just about to go make a tandem jump they're gearing up 
they kind of want to hang out with them. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, that, I, so I feel like we have a, a pretty. I mean, the space in Houston's super open. I think everything's pretty inviting that way. But yeah. when someone's getting geared up by themselves, I always ask like, "Hey, who who's here with you?" Yeah, oh, exactly. my my friends and family. They're sitting over there. Tell d- go get them. Get them over. Yeah, here. tell them tell them to come enjoy the show. And then there's often the times where you know their friends or family will come over and, and watch them get geared up, and all of a sudden that's all it needs for them to yeah, also want to get going, involved yeah. in the sport, right? Yeah. And who knows if they're going to be the next STP student and be a fun jumper and make their way to a world champion manager, or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. How many times have you met a tandem student who said, I watched my friend do it once upon a time, or I watched my yeah. family member? They do it all the time. Another thing, if you're a tandem instructor and you're not inviting the friends and family to watch your jump, what are you hiding? Are you that important? Are you that secretive? Are you fucking a pop star? I don't know. But, man, you're not. Let them come watch. It's going to make your student feel more comfortable. It's going to let your student feel more peace of mind. And if for no other reason, that's the best reason. And it's not because you care about your student. It's because it makes your job easier. So if you're a selfish dick, your job got easier by inviting everybody over. Now, if you actually care about people, your student's happier. Your student has more fun. These other people enjoy it. And they actually get to maybe get involved in the sport. Oh, wait a minute. If you're a selfish dick, the 18-year-old's parents also tip you. So invite mom and dad over and say, come watch what's going on. I don't care if you're selfish. I don't care if you're doing it for the right reason or the wrong reason. Every reason says invite the family to come hang out with you. I don't get those do not enter signs. But my favorite part, the reason I brought that story up, Nick, is what's the last thing I did when I left San Marcos? So <laughs> I walked into my office, uh, in, opened the door, which says <laughs> private, do not enter. <laughs> Walk into the office. And so, I mean, let me go back a little bit. So there's only a certain amount of these signs we can take off without replacing the doors. And the whole thing of liquid nails is every single thing in that facility was was held on with liquid nails. So you take something off the wall, like a poster or something, and you basically take the drywall, drywall with it, and you're left with insulation, <laughs> and that's about it. So there was some doors we couldn't do that with. Um, anyway, I walk into the office, and uh, I, I go to sit down at my desk, and every single area on my desk, on the chair, on every bookshelf. Refrigerator, microwave. Everything. Even on my laptop or in my laptop, there's private do not enter signs. <laughs> everywhere. Are they the ones that have been taken down? Or yes. No, they don't. They, so in doing what I did there, I was transitioning to school. And my last day, I was completely caught up. And I said, hey, I'm going to go inventory because I needed shirts for mentors. And I went to go find the mentor shirts and I didn't like the hot mess of box they were in. It's what we had because we were still moving in. I'm like, Thomas, I'm going to, I didn't even tell you. I just started inventorying his staff shirts and mentor shirts. And when I got done, I inventory, I, I cleaned the entire storage closet of his office out, which is. We're actually ready for another visit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that room is, oh God, longer than this room is. Yeah. It, it's narrower, but it's a pretty, I, I did a substantial amount a, of work. It's a big room. I found the entire stack of their do not enter private signs, and I just started sticking them to everything Thomas owned. So if Susan's listening, go ahead and post a, a picture of your laptop, because she, she's still got one of those signs <laughs> that was stuck on her laptop. It's still on there today. Oh, so if man. you're listening, go ahead and post it in the comments. And Susan, we'll have you come back on sometime soon. It would be super cool if you would come play for us again. Did you know she was, I believe the year, and I'll get this wrong, uh, she was once upon a time the Texas female artist, CMA artist of the year. I heard that, yeah. 2015, if I remember right, dude. It's uh, you can actually find her on Spotify. Yeah, we actually uh, played it, played her on Spotify one day when she came over for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it was already on when she came in, or did you just play it while she was there? Uh, I don't remember. Oh man! It, so if you know Susan Hickman, you're friends with Susan Hickman. And 2015 you CMA Texas female vocalist of the year. Yeah, dude. And she, bitch is bad. 
So if you come in to manifest for a load, make sure you ask her to sing while you're in there. She loves it. <laughs> if you go into San Marcos Spaceland to manifest, pull up your Spotify first, start playing it, <laughs> and better. walk in with a plane on your phone. Please, please do it. Get a video of you doing it, and I might send you something cool. I might. Do I have anything cool? Um, a clock with the date on it. Jeez. <laughs> no, no, not Jesus. Um, manage, managing and working in the drop zone, what are you looking forward to the most? And I think unknown is part of it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the future, to be honest with you. I'm looking forward to uh, see where we go with this, uh, this drop zone. We've already made some massive changes there, I mean, both facility-wise and then um, just process-wise. <coughs> like I said, we're putting a bunch of money into advertising, so um, hopefully we can get more people out for the boogies. Hopefully we can get more tandems out, more SDP. Um, Spaceland's really good at taking tandems and turning them into fun jumpers. Um, it's kind of one of their one of their MOs. So I'm really looking forward to seeing our fun jumper base increase over the next few years um, and see where we're at with it all. I mean, as it is right now, I'd say we have probably you know 80 to 100 fun jumpers, and I think by the time summer rolls around and we start having more SDP students go into the uh, fun jumper community, we're going to have a lot more. And obviously, with a lot more fun jumpers, creates a lot more activity and all the fun stuff that that goes along with that. Man, if you ever knew of Skydive San Marcos in Fentress, Texas, and you knew what such a hot spot it was, how cool it was, how great skydiving was over the skies of Fentress, um, it, it was such a great landmark and icon of Texas skydiving. And, and every single drop zone is going to go through its ebbs and flows. Every single one of us are going to have our high times and our low times. And quite frankly, at the moment that San Marcos was at its heyday of fun jumpers, Spaceland had either teams or students. We had no fun jumpers. So I, I will not mock them when they went without their fun jumpers. I, I, it's just a different way of life and business. But if you're a fun jumper and you're a skydiver who really wants to have a good time, the Halloween boogie is back. It's yeah, coming that's going to be a blast. And even before that, the we've got the come and take a boogie in June. That's kind of what we're putting all of our attention into right now. And uh, we've, I think we've got 10 or 12 organizers scheduled to come Can out you, for that. Do you remember any of your names besides Yeah, Tex? so uh, we've got <laughs> Tex, of course. Um, I know we've got Ryan Leeper for wingsuit. Um, I know we have Ian Drennan doing some flocking. Um, we've got uh, Steve Downey doing free fly. Mark Farr doing uh, belly. Nice. Um, I can't even remember the rest of them. I mean, there's a whole long list. So we've got all aspects and all, all dimensions covered. So... It's going to be a good time for sure. So with Ian, is in flocking or th is he doing introductory? Is he doing? Is he working with people who are learning to flock? I think it depends on what he's got there. I know. I mean, there's a lot of people in the in the U.S. that have done some flocking or, or some sort of structured <coughs> camp with that. So mm -hmm. I think the skill level on that is getting pretty high. I mean, I've been watching some of the stuff they've been doing in Florida, and it's spectacular. It's complex, dude. Very complex. A lot of people, and and very safe and very static as well, which is yeah. is really good to see. I mean, a lot of those early flocking dives I remember from years ago. It's constant movement, and now you you look at them and they're just rock solid. So it just shows the level of canopy piloting has gone so much further up than 10 years ago. Have you ever done any high-performance crew? I have done, yeah. And it's it's it can be terrifying or it can be amazing. Yeah, And I, it uh, looks like the stuff they're doing is amazing. Above your head is my, one of my favorite moments. Remember Phil Schmidt, the guy who had an uninflated drogue in the video earlier today? Yeah, yeah. That's him and I in a two-stack uh, on a 90-degree turn, and then the second picture is us just breaking. That looks terrifying. Dude, I'm the low guy. You talk about fucking shit in my drawers. 
Uh, we debriefed from that jump. Every time we did that, we did that landing. We, we did two stack landings multiple times on Velos. Mm-hmm. We did that 90 degree turn a couple times. And then the first time we did it, we debriefed it. And uh, we're watching the video. And he's like, oh, man, I didn't realize we were that low. I'm like, never, ever say that again. <laughs> I'm like, if you can think it, you can be it. Don't tell me that again, dude, because that scared the shit out of me. So that is one of my that that series made parachutist, and it's just one of my. Where was that movies. at? Uh, Greensburg, Indiana. Okay. And actually, look at the picture to the right of it. Recognize the wind I plates? sure do. <laughs> the fast tracks for life, baby. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I have some fast track stuff, uh, fast track stuff everywhere nowadays. Um, Sam Marcos, you guys are bringing it back. You're bringing it alive. Yeah. And, and one of the other things you kept mentioning, or you've mentioned over and over again, is. This Sunday night, you guys are doing the game night. You guys are actually airing the game on some really big projector. Yeah, so um, one of our fun jumpers, uh, Jeff McVeigh, has, has helped out finding a projector and a big screen. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have a Super Bowl party, hang out, have a little cookout, and just just get it back to being a drop zone community where people want to hang out at the drop zone no matter what the weather is. And I think that's important in skydiving. I mean, it's again, it's not just the skydiving; it's the people as well, right? So having that. A uh, group of people that you always want to hang out with, and and you know you can go to the drop zone and hang out with people. I think that's important. So Nick, one of the things we've done with Gravity Lab Radio is we've been really about having a good time and enjoying skydiving. But it's a, a lot, I think, been for community for us. Oh, I hate the podcast and skydiving. That's weird. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he just likes to sit here and mock me and just roll his eyes at me every time I talk. <laughs> it's not just him, um, <laughs> dude. I enjoyed meeting your uh, girlfriend's twin. Did you see? Did you hear how I introduced? Or I, no, I I feel like I, you turned your back to Sam. I remember that. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Your girlfriend has a twin. Yeah, yeah. And do, they look. Do they ever play tricks on you? No, I, I can tell them apart. They're okay. pretty close. And if you don't, uh, if if you didn't know either one of them really well, you'd definitely do a, a double take of like, yeah. oh, who, yeah. like that's uh, Sam. Uh, she's super into yoga, and Sam took her to a yoga class, and it happened a couple of times that. Yeah. Someone would talk to her sister and be like, "Oh, that's you're not you. What's happening?" Yeah. <laughs> you can if you see them side by side the first time. I think from now on, I could tell the difference between the two. I, it's like Delilah and uh, Rachel Hollis. Yep, still no idea. I, I'm good with them. I'm fine. Can't I actually do it. and and uh, I partially because I knew Rachel fairly decent ahead of time and got to talk to her a lot. And uh, uh, Sharon and, and Sam, I, I think I could do it now. Yep, but. Uh, she introduces me. I'm like, so how do you know? How do you know Sam? <laughs> she goes, she's my twin sister. I'm like, oh, I just thought you all looked alike. <laughs> yeah, see, I can appreciate the the Asian humor, especially coming from an Asian man. But I think that it's easy to look at you and just think, think you're another white guy. Hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Till I pull my pants off, you believe it, man? Oh my god. Oh, my God. Thomas spent way too much time on my crotch today, and now he knows better. It's <laughs> sad. Oh, it's getting weird. Okay. <laughs> it got weird when he hooked me up. <laughs> um, uh, oh, God. I was talking about you and Sam and Sharon. and Yeah, twin sisters. Uh, oh, so we've really, uh, a lot of what we've done is community, uh, film festival. Yep. Uh, poc- or, uh, uh, movie nights, uh, uh, karaoke night. And I can't say by any means y'all stole that from us because we stole it from somebody else. Yeah. Uh, dude, we should go do a Gravity Lab party night sometime in San Marcos. You absolutely should. Let's do it. That'd be a blast. Get Justin in. We'll figure it out. I don't know what it is yet. I don't know how it is. I don't know if it'll be a movie night, a karaoke. I don't think movie night's good enough. 
it, it should be a little bit more fun. It should be a little bit more. We could do a comedy show or something. That worked out real well last time. <laughs> you need to you need to stop telling this dud of a joke and fill him into what you're talking about. We did a karaoke. It was actually a, a a talent night, and for the most part, it was karaoke. But we had one guy that did a comedy show, and he basically took out all of the comedy from someone's routine, left all the raunchiness, and got up on stage and just talked about anal the whole time. Cool. <laughs> that sounds right up my alley. Well, were people laughing? No. Because I would have been losing my Everyone fucking was just kinda, mind in the corner. Kind of hiding in the See, corner. The, like, like, that awkward moment to me is far more entertaining. <laughs> like, especially to be a spectator. Like, if you could be off to the side watching the comedian try and do this and watching the crowd cringe. Oh, man, that sounds like <laughs> heaven. The best part is he's laughing at you, not with you, buddy, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, luckily, we, we didn't have the Facebook Live on at that point. but So I, I actually, saying this gives me the idea. You guys need to have Spaceland San Marcos Scott Talent, season two. We need to plan it, I don't know, six months from now. And we are the judge panel. The three of us are going to go. Four of us. We're taking Justin with us because, Justin, you are Gravity Lab, my brother. And we are going to. Fuck, we don't need. You, yeah, we want you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there whether you want me to or not. Yeah, yeah. You own the place. So <laughs> screw Steve. We don't need, and, and let's judge it. And let's judge it like Simon Cowell <laughs> style. Dude. Like you can be positive. You can be Randy. The, I don't know what his last name is. Calling everybody dog. <laughs> Randy Jackson, right? Randy Jackson. Yeah. So we actually had scorecards. We had Laura and Manifest print out scorecards emojis. and we had, uh, we had uh, one through ten and then a poop sign. Yes. <laughs> the poop emoji is the one I saw you guys holding no, up. Wait, is the poop higher than ten or lower than one? <laughs> You're the shit. That smells like shit. <laughs> Tim Boyd was one of the judges, wasn't he? No, Tim was gone that weekend. I wish he was. Tim would have been a great judge. Dude, for real, man. We air it live. We mic it. <laughs> like, I like how you sing your little pitchy dog. <laughs> and I don't even think I need to know what I'm talking I, about. You know, all I think I would do is just pull up old American Idol episodes and just verbatim write the shit down. <laughs> and regardless of what someone says, I'm just going to participate in the talent night by doing my best Randy Jackson impression and giving his criticism. Uh, I'm going for Simon Cowell 100%. I'm no way, man. I'm English. Else. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'll have to hold Your shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Happening. Oh, my God. All right. Let's set a date. Probably sometime in the fall. Uh, I think the fall sounds like a good time frame. Yeah. My side hurts right now. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, man. So what do you need to share? What do you want to tell your friends, your family? Uh, Susan, get back to work. You've wasted too much time tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I don't have much to say. I think, uh, you know, we've said a lot already, but... Um, we're definitely making some changes down at Space on San Marcos, and we'd love to see uh, all all you fun jumpers come come up or down or wherever you're from. Come visit us and um, give us a shot. I know uh, a lot of guys have come out already, but we'd love to see the rest of you. Man, uh, not we've we've mentioned the drop zone. I gotta throw a huge shout out to the city of San Marcos because I really didn't know anything about the city of San Marcos. And the root cellar is just a phenomenal. Is that the name of it? Yeah, it's amazing, right? Oh my f and g's, Louise, dude. And uh, I was eating regularly. It's a sacrifice September, so I really had tried to eat healthy. And I was like, man, we're going to this place where there's a bunch of bars, and man, they had a lot of good keto options. It worked out perfect for me. And then uh, the porch, the tap room. There's mm -hmm. so many great places to eat. It's a lot of good little restaurants and bars. And then uh, they've got the river you can float. And Austin is right there. San Antonio is right there. I mean, it's 30 minutes to the Austin airport, which you can go anywhere from there. You like ramen? Yeah. Have you found the little ramen joint past Saltgrass? No. You know, it's really sad. 
I've I've been off the drop zone probably about ten times total since we took over in September. Dude, I'll give you I'll give you the lowdown at the ramen joint they have at least the one I we went to Perfect. Rabbit and I went to and I going to ramen is something I will enjoy. You know Matt Sigmund. Yep. Anytime we're in the same city, we are going to ramen together. Nice. And uh, uh, Riley used to work for you, uh, Infinity. For she Infinity, works, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she works. You know Riley. Yep. Okay. Uh, the other day, I got a, a Facebook message from her to me and Matt, and she sent us the directions to here's where ramen is in Dallas, and we're going. <laughs> Not and we're going, but when's going to work best? So yeah. Um, Guys, check out San Marcos. It's a, it's a super great place. Uh, for us at Gravity Lab, next week we are, don't know what we're doing. Oh, this is something I need to ask you. Yes, sir. Let's say that we're only going to get one shot at one day to do uh, a podcast. Daytime. When, when, Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't tell you, man. I really can't. I have meetings that I don't know when they are, and I won't know when they are until they tell me. Okay. I I, it's, I, I might just take a gamble and only do one day, maybe come and check out the symposium. I was going to go and uh, spend a handful of days there, but a lot of the staff is off those days, are, and I think m- many of them are going to PIA. That's right. Everyone, don't forget, PIA is coming up. So Tuesday and Wednesday is the days that we'll have more. St- so uh, the staff who need to go examiner meetings are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But that's also when the expo is is going on right yeah so we, we're going to be doing examiner meetings during the day and then evening we'll have expo floor for me who for me who works at both um but tuesday wednesday there's no need for those examiners to be there so like hank won't be gone until thursday wednesday evening chris Fudala, i think is gonna uh Follow the same suit, although I've seen a different schedule because I think you and I have seen the same schedule recently posted with some outs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite confused by Chris's because he travels with Hank on that trip and Hank's not going till then. Um, anyways, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday would probably be the best days as a guess. Um, how about this? Monday, if I can get a feel for grabbing a room and if Monday I can get a feel for my schedule and I'm going to try Sunday night. I'm going to show up Sunday and if I can get somebody to help me figure out a place to set this up, I'm, I'm going on a fucking wing and a prayer. I'm putting everything in a suitcase, all the mics, mic stands, boards, and we're going on a wing and a prayer. Um, and if I can confirm that I don't have to deal with certain things with LMB, uh, I want to do both. If I can do both, I want to do both. Both Tuesday and Wednesday. I want to do, it would be great if we can do at least one session a day, and if not two sessions, at least one of the days, if not both. Because I would love to wake up, do breakfast, do a morning shit. Go do lunch, hang out, come back, do an afternoon uh, a show. I said shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I didn't know if that was a slip or not. I was like, I shit in the morning too. That's cool. I do. I am. I'm a morning shitter, dude. Have my morning shit. Do yeah. a podcast <laughs> from there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, take my morning shit. Have breakfast or whatever. Do a morning show. <laughs> uh, go do lunch. Come back, do an afternoon show, and then I have to be on the trade floor by expo floor by three o'clock. Can we please do a podcast from you on the toilet? Chat and chat with DJ Marvin. <laughs> you know I'm gonna break the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we told that a long time ago. There's a story of me sitting on my shitter in uh, my bathroom, sitting down on the tank behind me, exploding. And could you imagine the shenanigans that followed? <laughs> I sit down, pants around my ankles, toilet explodes. Wait, hold on a second. Here. Why did the toilet explode? I feel my, like I'm missing a vital part of the story beef here. My is strong. <laughs> <laughs> I poop like man. You ever sit down on the toilet and to adjust, you lean back a little bit to get situated? I lean back and it's not a recliner. <laughs> <laughs> 
You got nah. a footrest too? Well, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. Squatty potty my ass. Mine's a lazy boy. <laughs> I guess when you're reaching in between your legs to do your business, you got to find a different body position, huh? <laughs> this was the this was a conversation for the longest time on the podcast of w- of whether people wipe from back to front or front to back. You're not done embarrassing me, are you? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really think the more time that I've spent thinking about it, I don't think it's the direction that matters. I just Correct. think it's whether your hand is going between your legs or behind you. Correct. That's the real question. So the real question is, is do you wipe by rolling your ass up or do you wipe by picking your junk up? That's the real question. <laughs> I do the first one because I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I do the second one because it's easier. Wait, you do the second one? Yeah, see? <laughs> see? Oh, and that's san- bizarre. Sanity returns so, to the world. I, I've come up with some excuses to why it works for me. And uh, that's all for Gravity <laughs> Lab Radio this week. Uh, and I'll tell them to you later. <laughs> um, no, I'm good. Uh, so, Gravity Lab, we're not going to uh, possibly be on next week. We might be on next week. We don't know. We're going to see what happens. We're going to do our best. Um, I have at least one or two guests who agreed that they would do it if my time works out for it. So, uh, guys and gals, if you're listening next week, please be patient with us. Uh, it, it is a really hectic schedule for me next week. And uh, of all the things I'm doing next week, I'm doing some really, really, really cool shit. I would want to do this show for sure, most of all, with some of my cool friends there. Uh, so we'll do our best. If not, we will be back the following week, Monday night, with a young lady named Jesse. Uh, Jesse works for a company called Sunpath. Javelin uh, Riggs. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Um, Jesse, uh, first of all, Javelins make wonderful rigs, uh, but she's going to talk very generically about what are you looking for in a rig. Um, and we will apply it specifically to things she knows about Javelin because she speaks most intelligently on that rig. Uh, I speak most intelligently on Infinity, so I can compare there as well. Wait, what? Infinity. No, it's intelligent. Intelligent. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, um, let's go throw a shit in the morning, right? Um, and so we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, really, we've had a lot of questions about what do I look for in new gear. So we're really going to try to tackle and absorb that one. Uh, Jesse is number one, a, a really good person because that's what she does for a living. And it's really cool because uh, she's reached out to share this knowledge. So this is definitely one of those guests who doesn't feel sabotaged like Thomas has into this show. Nick, you got anything else you got to share for? No, man, I'm good. Cool, man. Guys and gals, got to thank the Rating Center. Uh, Again, full disclosure, I am the Rating Center. So thanks to me, man. We rock. Uh, The Rating Center does sponsor the show. Probably our largest supporter, all the equipment, everything done. uh, And my mortgage is paid by the Rating Center. So thanks to us. Uh, If you are not attending Safety Day this March at your local drop, zone i'm sorry you can't make it you should go in person the best way to learn the best way to get involved and the best way to build your community is make it to safety day if you cannot the rating center does ma- does live stream uh safety day from skydive spaceland houston we run it at spaceland san marco spaceland dallas but we live stream our houston location this is where our uh, presenters have had the most experience and all our studio equipment is so it makes life really really easy uh check it out Stay in tune. If you're looking for a tandem rating, a coach rating, AFF rating, that is what we do. That is who we are. That is what we love. Uh, I've got some super cool staff. You know all of them. Hank, absolutely one of the most yeah, passionate absolutely. men I've ever met. Erin Edendera, you you got to see her today. Absolutely one of the most caring folks I ever met. Chris Fudala, mm, I have Chris Fudala as well. So uh, <laughs> I love you, Chris. Uh, guys, check it out, theratingcenter.com. Also got to throw a lot of love and a big shout out to my buddy uh, Adam Buckner at Option Studios. Uh, we are coming out with more Gravity Lab radio stickers. If you want more, we just ordered a thousand. I'm sick of not having stickers, so we've got a shitload coming. 
If you want big stickers, we have four and three quarter inch stickers coming and the normal one and three quarter inch stickers that you guys are used to. So check them out. Option Studios, they take care of us for stickers, graphic design, the pro jerseys, everything you see out there, man. They make the best shit. The hat you're wearing, the hat Nick and I are wearing, these were all done by Option Studios. So please check them out, optionstudios.com. They will also be at PIA representing. You can find me representing the Rating Center at LMB, uh, Larson Bruce Guard booth. And uh, come say hi. Come check it out. Come tell us you listen to the show. Uh, Till then, white boy, hit that funky music. I'm retarded. We're out! <laughs> I'm retarded. <laughs> <laughs>